Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to stay up late. Good morning. Good morning to you. When the band began to play, the stars were shining bright. Now the milkman's on his way, it's too late to say goodnight. So good morning, good morning, sunbeams will soon smile through. Good morning, good morning to you and you and you and you. Good morning, good morning, we've gabbed the whole night through. Good morning, good morning to you. Nothing could be grander than to be in Louisiana in the morning. In the morning, it's great to stay up late. Good morning. Good morning to you. Might be just as iffy if we was in Mississippi. When we left the movie show, the future wasn't bright. But came the dawn, the show goes on, and I don't want to say good night. Don't say good morning. Good morning. Rainbows are shining through. Good morning. Good morning. Bonjour. Three, two, one. It worked this time. Three, two, one. And there are three of us, and I think this is episode 103 of The Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. With me, as always, is... Christine, hello. And with us on occasion is Fozzie. Hello. Yay! Um, we do our traditional Muppet arms whenever we have a guest. You can't see it, but we are both wildly flailing, which is appropriate because we have none other than the most Muppety of all of our guest stars, Jason Fozzie Bear Nelson. How are you? Oh, thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Aww. God, I missed you guys. I miss you. We missed you. Yeah, the saddest thing right now that is like really genuinely hurting me is um I you know, I commute, I take the subway and there's ads everywhere for Truth or Dare. And every time I look at them, I get so sad because I know that if you were here, we would go and see that on a Tuesday night together. Yes, and I would scream and I'd get so into it and I'd and be I would really just, scared. Like, and I would just like look lovingly at you and smile cuz you screaming during a movie makes me so happy. But <laughs> And Alas. I do it every time. I know, I know, without fail. That's a uh, that's a movie pass movie if I've ever seen one. Oh, right? uh, I think we're going this weekend. I can't yeah, wait to hear I think what, I am too. Like, there's a couple <laughs> movies. That, I mean, we're about to get to like what we've been watching, but like, there's a few movies. I'm like, oh, I really hope Christine saw this because I want to know what she thought and if it's worth seeing. Because I look forward to your take on. I'll that. do. My, I'll do my best. All right. So uh, <laughs> now, are we are kind and let our special guest Muppet star pick the movies for the week. Jason, what movies are we talking about today? So we're talking two movies from the 90s. That's mm-hmm. my wheelhouse. From the same That's year. That's where I'm comfortable. 96. Yeah, oh, 96. Were they? Yeah. Yeah. Two um, very different films from the same year. That really feel like they came from different years, too. I totally oh, yes. thought Mother was early 90s and Flirting with Disaster was later 90s. Yeah, and but there's some odd similarities, too, and mm. we'll talk about those. Yeah. There's some weird crossovers between them, and I picked them because there's a thematic connection mm. of... Um, I wanted to do Flirting with Disaster because this was always one of my top ten favorite movies. I had it on my list every year, mm-hmm. and then somehow I just kind of forgot about it, and it fell off. Like Charlie's Angels made me forget about everything. Um, Understandable. And then... And then Cloverfield happened, and like, so 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 <laughs> we much stuff happened. We were never the happened. same. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> and I just wait till Truth or Dare movie. comes out, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I kind of forgot that movie existed, and then I wanted to watch it again. And I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm really excited to talk about it. And then I was trying to find a movie that would go with it thematically, and um, the movie Mother popped in my head because they're both themes about reconnecting with family. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. So it's exciting. Those are the movies we're going to talk about. Now, before we, you know, time travel back 22 years, 
Oh boy! God. Wait, am I doing the math right? Because I'm really not going to math. No, that's I'm right. That's 22 years ago. Right. Somebody born has been like drinking legally for a year of the movies. Those movies coming out. That is disturbing. Oh. I was in my late 40s when those movies came out. How is that possible? <laughs> oh God. Yeah, it's crazy because now you're like 27. I, I love yeah. how how this Do that crazy year it's real Benjamin Button situation. Oh, boy. <laughs> right? But I look a lot older. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get to that, why don't we talk some other movies? Um, I, as customary, I like to let our guests go first. Jason, it's been oh like, God. what, a year since we talked? And I know yeah. you... What you watched in the last year? Exactly. Right. I want a full report, uh, ranked I... alphabetically. <laughs> well, I, I sat down today. I thought about this because I, I was like, God, what have I watched since we talked last? And like everything. But, you know, honestly... I, I haven't watched a lot. I watch. I've been watching a lot of TV mostly. Um, I, every once in a while, I watch a. I'll watch a movie, but it's been a lot of. I'm on The Office right now, and I'm at that horrible period where Jim and Pam aren't speaking when he's in another office, and it's just killing me. It's killing you, but uh, it's, those episodes are so good. They're so good. Yeah. I was so invested in that show, and I'm reliving it all yeah. over again. I remember crying so much at The Office. Um, oh, yeah. So I've been doing, watching a lot of binging a lot of TV and older TV, but some of the movies that I that I have watched, um, I made a list here. So I, first of all, I'll, I'll spout out the Ritual on Netflix. Yes, I think it's been, so been out good. For, yeah, did you watch it, Emily? Uh, no, Christine recommended it um, last time, as I think you're her Netflix recommend. Mm-hmm. I've had it on my list, but I haven't actually gotten to it yet. So there's a movie, uh, or I'm sorry, a series called The Dark on Netflix. Uh, I think it's German, maybe. Yeah, I've heard mixed and, things about that. It's very, and I have mixed things about it because okay. it, it's really good. But it, there's a cave, and it's very inspired by Stranger Things. I think that's part of the reason that it came to Netflix and they picked it up because it's a Stranger Things sure. light. And there's this cave, and there's all these kids that are disappearing. And like sometimes when the kids are outside, air will like come out of the cave, and like there's a growling, and you're like, oh no, there's a monster oh, in there. Shit. <laughs> oh shit! Stuff about um, to get but- real. But it gets stupid as the time goes <laughs> on. It turns out it's just like I'm going to ruin it. It's we just were talking like about the dark, not the ritual, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So just to they, they kind of connect because on the dark turns out it's just a time travel thing, and when it goes off, it makes this big loud noise and like air shoots oh, cool. everywhere. Now I'm going to watch it. <laughs> you yeah. actually by spoiling it, you have now sold me on it. So okay, thank you. enjoy because <laughs> as soon as that happened, I was tuned out. Yeah. My my motto is if you hint that there's going to be a monster, there should always be a monster. And the reason I like the ritual so much, there That's is a monster. monster. Okay, but don't don't give anything away because I haven't watched it yet. Okay, but they like they hint at it, but they don't they don't pull some shit, Emily. Okay, yeah. That's good to know. <laughs> yes, so I will say there is a monster, and the design is great. So that's one reason I loved the ritual. Cool. Um, I also watched Final Girl. Now the one with Abigail Breslin. Okay. I, I haven't watched it ever seen yet. it. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like kind of a mumblecore horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's really strange and very stylistic. And, you know, all the killers, they dress in suits and everybody's dressed in like little pumps and, and party dresses when they're running through the woods. So there, and there's one who's very, uh, uh Dean, you know, he's like a, a crooner. What's his name? Dean. What the hell's his Martin? name? Dean Martin. Thank you. Oh. He's like, <laughs> I mean, he's Dean Coons? No. Yes. <laughs> So he's Our inspired team. by... <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I want him to be the killer in a movie so badly. <laughs> Just <sighs> running after people screaming going, that. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Um, so it, it was, it was good. Abigail Breslin was great, but it's just a little mumble Corey for me. Not my thing. I didn't love it. I like the other final girls better. Oh, 
That movie, I wept through that Me movie. Me too. Oh, yeah. so good. Really, really good. Um, so I watched Bait with your best friend, Sharni <gasps> Vincent. Sharni, my BFF, yeah. Yep. Um, good. Like, it's exactly what you think it's going to be. Shark in a grocery store, fine. It's perfect. Like, there's a big tidal wave. A bunch of people are trapped in a grocery store I've that's never flooded. heard of this movie. Oh, it's on... <laughs> It's There's on a shutter. shark in a grocery store? <laughs> Please, tell me more. I, I realize when you say that, it sounds ridiculous. But <laughs> it's I think it's Australia, right? But, uh, did you see it? I mean, in? she's Australian. I haven't yet, no. And a lot of it's... Oh, no, she's not Australian. And... She's not... Yes, she is Australian. Never mind. Okay. I'm thinking uh, so of, it's of either... Blue Crush 2, where it's set in South Africa. So she's South African, uh, but she is Australian in real life. Got it. So it's set on the beach and like there's surfing, et cetera, et cetera. But like there's a, a couple and they're going through trauma and they are at a grocery store. They hear a thunderous noise. It turns out it's a tsunami and a huge tidal wave comes into the town and washes a great white shark up and it goes into the grocery store where they are trapped and they're standing on top of the aisles and the, the, the shark is just circling around them waiting to kill them. And there's a little dog in it and I will tell you the dog does not die. You think the dog dies oh. but the dog doesn't die. Oh, that, that makes yes. me Always more good to, know. to see it. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, Christine, can we commiserate for a second? Sure. Open goddamn house. Oh, me too. More, <laughs> me too. The more oh, I think really? About Did you watch it? Yeah, because Christine was like, "It's not. It, it's it's kind of good, and then it has a terrible ending, and I don't know how I feel about it, and I think you should watch it." So I watched it. And oh no, I agree. That fucking ending yeah. is a tr- like. I think since the three of us have seen it, this is the movie on Netflix. Let's like talk about it for a few minutes, guys. We're spoiling the okay. open house because what yes. the fuck with that ending. It's so. It's not even that it's stupid. It's not even. It's a well-made movie, yeah, and it's well-constructed. Yeah, that's what makes it so frustrating. There's, there's some tension and stuff in it too. Like, yeah, yeah. And like the, the kid is good. great. That relationship yeah. between like an 18-year-old boy and his mother, and there's some complications there. Like that's really interesting. And they like yeah. they present a really like okay, I'm I'm with this. I'm into it. And there's some creepiness with the neighbor lady. Like okay, I'm into this. Yeah. All right. Great house. Great setting. Oh. What you got? What was oh, that what the fuck? neighbor lady's name? Red Red Herring, I think her name is. <laughs> <laughs> she did have red hair too. Uh, yeah, and like it just and when it turns, like it's not, it doesn't do anything with it. It's like, oh yeah, no, there has been a killer who was kind of stalking them, and now he's going to stalk other people. And here's some really mean violence for you, just in case you yeah. don't feel good about this movie. It makes the kid kill his mother accidentally. Oh, fuck that. Yeah, I'm so tired of that trope in movies. And it worked in The Descent, but I don't think it's worked in anything else that I've seen since then of, oh, God, I'm so defensive and scared that I'm holding a knife in front of me. And what do you know? I just killed my only ally. Who's who's holding a knife that way? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like his hands were shaking because he was was tortured by freezing. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he's laying there. And the lady walks up, and I was like, okay, something's happening here. Something's going to happen. And then that lady just fucking walks off. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. That was kind of funny. It was so stupid. And then the guy finds him, like, hiding out by the river and just comes up and kills him and walks off. Yeah. That's that's it. Goes to do it to another family. The more I sit with it, the more I hate yeah. it. I'm just so angry at that yeah. movie. Because it, if it. it was just bad, it would have been one thing. But it, there was a good movie there. And it's almost like like the – because it was two people. It was um, it was like two filmmakers, a writer, director, like two people, both credited for both. And like it's almost like one of them wrote it and then the other one was like, hey, I bet we can sell this better if it's a horror movie. Why don't right. we just inst- like change our last act and instead have some guy torture them to death? 
Yeah, torture's huge now. Yeah. People love torture. Yeah. And I know, like, Christine always talks about, like, loving a movie that starts as one movie and then turns into a different movie. Like, yep. when it's yeah. done well, that's great. When it's done badly, it's fucking Awful. the open house. It, it made no sense. No. There was no yeah. narrative reason for it to happen. No. And like J- Jason just said, it didn't go anywhere or do anything no. with it. It was just like, oh, guess what? Here's this thing. Bye. Movie's yeah. over. <laughs> like, let's make sure it hurts. The later movie. Let's break oh, all of our fingers. It. Like, what? I like this woman. Why are you doing that to me? Yeah. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. They betrayed their own characters, man. It was really? stupid. Really? Yeah. 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 And I see, I'm starting to get the feeling Netflix is, that's why I was hesitant about the ritual, because I feel like Netflix is just like, sure, we'll take any crap if you can't get yeah. distribution. As long as it's, it sucks, as long we'll as it's good it. looking. As long as your movie looks good. Yeah. Uh, and we can put it in HD and it's still going to look good. We'll take it. Yeah. But every once in a while you get a good one, like the ritual, but the majority of them have yeah. been crap. Yeah. Um, but speaking of a movie I really liked, I loved uh, Love Simon. Uh, I saw that in the theater. Did anybody see that I did yet? Not. I, no, I haven't. Um, the mm, theaters homophobes. up here weren't okay, supporting it. it that much. <laughs> we couldn't find it that easy, and and now it's gone. Oh well, when Isn't when there's weird? availability, it, no. For I mean, not I guess Seattle. You would think that it's a major metropolitan area. They'd get a movie because it it was a big release. This it was, was a big it was studio movie. It was there. It was around <coughs> readily the first weekend. And then I think it was maybe two or three weeks after opening. I had heard so much good stuff. I was like, well, we could either watch that or, I don't know, Tomb Raider or something. And we couldn't find it anywhere. And I was oh, like, oh, it sucks. Because it's really good. It's very John Hughes. The supporting cast is all it's funny. Very cryy. Everybody's yeah. crying during it. And I mean, but there's really funny moments, too. I, I thought it was just really deftly balanced, even beyond making a, a statement about like a culture coming out, mm. et cetera, et cetera. It's just a well-crafted, fun movie and everybody's adorable in it. So Aww. really made me feel good. Um, Black, Black Panther is another one that was amazing. So and I do love it. So however, good. however, <laughs> I, I feel I need to use this platform uh, to say <laughs> to ask where all the white people were. Did that bother you? <laughs> No, I'm fine. I'm sick of white people. I can't handle it. <laughs> I got enough in love, Simon. Um, but the one thing that really, really bothered me about the movie, and I did tweet this and I've talked about it, it really bothered me that the most progressive country in the entire world, the most advanced country anywhere, still has a king and they fight to the death to see who's going to be king. No, I see. I think that makes perfect sense in its own way. <laughs> How's that now? Well, you think they should do that in America now? I mean, don't you kind of want to see it? Because, yeah, Hillary would have kicked Trump's exactly. ass if it was a bare-knuckle boxing fight. Yeah, go for those tiny little hands and time and a nod, yeah. and you got it. Yeah, that it, it bothered me. And, like, any anything where there's, like, king or royalty, I always kind of have a problem in a movie. With Thor, though, I had a problem with it, but I'm like, oh, they're not advanced. They're, like, a stupid aliens, and they still drink mm-hmm. mead from chalices. Well, I mean, I guess but you like, could <laughs> argue that with Black Panther, part of it was about how, like, Look, we've always done things this way, and we were wrong. You know, like, we didn't do anything about slavery. We didn't do anything about, you know, black people across, Africans across the world being systematized and brought down. Um, We didn't do anything because we always do things this way, and tradition's so important to us. Oh, yeah, and so is the tradition of, like, trying to kill the king. Like, maybe that's, you know? (laughs) So it it was was a sticking point for me. Overall, I love the movie, and I'll tell you. Just between nobody's listening to this, are they? No, just, just between no, no. yeah, just between us three. 
I had never been hornier watching a movie in my whole <laughs> oh my life. God, I know. Like everybody's so hot in that Everybody movie. Is. It was stupid. And like, like I'm not like not to be like the, the terrible white person, but you know who was also really hot in that was Anthony Circus hot in that, or was it just what, me? What was up with oh, him? Right? Where did he right? come from? Right? Yeah. I, didn't you always think he was really short and scrawny? Yep. Yeah, I mean, not just because of Gollum, but, like, I remember seeing him in that really good World War II trench horror movie. I think it's called, like, Death Camp or something. And, mm-hmm. like, he's kind of, I remember, I thought, I remember him being kind of, like, chunky and not nothing. And, like, in this, yeah. it's like, ooh, you're a terrible, racist, awful, villainous man, but there's something weirdly sexy about you. In my head, he's always been Mr. Bean. Like, I, I tr- confuse those two all the, the time. It's the bug eyes. Yeah, it's like the big uh, bug yeah. eyes. I see that. And so I think I pictured that body, the Mr. Bean wiry body. And then I saw yeah. that and I was like, damn. Yeah. But, like, going back, everybody was hot. Like, everybody I don't mean get just, it. like, M'Baku everybody. and Black Panther. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that fucking dude with a plate in his lip and, like, his little sister and Angel Bassett. <laughs> mm-hmm. everybody oh, my God, Angel Bassett was so, was so sexy in that, yeah. Hot. It was like the sexiest movie I've ever seen. Yeah. It was crazy. I, I have so, never yeah. felt less sexy watching a movie. Where like you watch yeah, a movie right. and you're like, everybody is so much hotter than I will ever dream of being. Yeah. It was the feeling like when we watched those people perform lip gloss for the first time at yeah. karaoke. Oh, God, don't I just me. questioned yeah. everything about we myself. We had such confidence in our karaoke skills. And then these two scrawny white um, Ohioans get up and like kill it. And we both just felt like we were served, and we and right. that was that. Yeah, that's I what always, I felt like watching Black Panther. I agree. Yeah, I always thought the movie you got served was stupid, but then I felt then it. You got served. I, <laughs> yeah, you really I, related yeah. to it. Yeah, changes everything. I knew what it felt like to everything. be served. It's the worst. So, I'm yeah. um, going on. I'll kind of rush through some of these. Um, Annihilation. It's stupid. Don't watch it. It makes no sense. There's. Um, I hated it. Yeah. What did I say about it? Last I don't think time, you liked really? it either. I feel like it you was had problems. Like, I was like a, eh. yeah. I, I think you like the idea, I, but not the execution. Well, yeah, you're right. I did like the idea. Yeah. I, I liked. I liked about like seventy five percent, and then the end of it, I'm like, okay, wait, what did I just see? Tell me everything that just happened. Um, <laughs> when she's looking into that big spherical butthole for like five minutes, and then like another doppelganger appears, but then she tricks it, but then she didn't, and like I don't know what happened. It was kind of pretty to look at, but like they didn't even focus on the beautiful things enough or the the um, like that bear. I bet that bear looked amazing. I actually I saw pictures on Twitter today, but it moved so fast. I couldn't even see what was going on with that bear. You do like a bear. I don't know. (laughs) So um, going on, let me say Cloverfield Paradox. I haven't talked about that yet. Oh, I can't wait to hear. I still haven't seen it, but um, I again, when I saw the news start to come out, like, the first thing I did was go to you and say, do you know about this? You and, so and every single person I know, but I think I, I was first, so there. <laughs> I think you were. <laughs> yeah. I got, I literally got no less than 20 texts that night. And, <laughs> and it was, and I wasn't watching the Super Bowl. I think I was watching, like, Friends on Netflix or something. And my phone started blowing up. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? And then I got so excited when I figured out the news. And then I just sat there counting down until the game was over. And again, I still wouldn't watch the game. I was still watching Friends, but I checked Twitter periodically to see if the game had ended. <laughs> and the second it did, I popped on and I, and I, and I watched, watched it straight through. It was one of the best nights of my life. And I'll say, the one thing I want to say about it is everybody's like, well, you know that this was just a movie that they just like tacked Cloverfield into. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. I don't, whatever. I got to see Cloverfield. I mean, kind of a spoiler, but you get to see Clovey in this movie. Nice. 
Um, and there's a great connection. And that's what writing is. It's taking an idea, building on it, like bringing other things in. That's all that writing and creating is. So I was happy with it. That's all that matters. I was super happy. Yep. And then uh, just a couple more and then I'll be done. Um, I just watched Six Balloons today. Has anybody even heard this? I've With, heard of uh, I don't know, Luft Balloons, but not since. Yes. <laughs> Maybe a little bit different. Yeah, Abby Jacobson and um, uh, Christine, the only good Franco, Dave Franco. Of course. Um, I've never even heard of it, but I love those two. And mm-hmm. um, Jane Kaczmarek played the mom. And, oh, that's just a good cast. I'm like yeah. now. Tim Matheson was the dad, and I was like, oh, this looks really good. So um, I popped it on, and it's a really, it's one of these movies that you, we could make this movie. Like, on a weekend, <laughs> we could, it's just two people basically in a car, but the story is uh, Dave Franco is an addict, and Abby Jacobson is his sister, and she's kind of an enabler. She, like, always buys his bullshit, and she helps him get out of trouble and helps him stay out of, like, um, his parents being angry at him, and she'll bail him out, and she takes him to rehab, et cetera, et cetera. And this is one night where she's trying to have a party, and he um, is coming down and crashing hard, and he needs one more hit, and she tries to take him to rehab, but she can't get him in. So then she offers to go buy him drugs just so he can get through one night, and things just kind of go out of control. Mm. Yeah, So and it was a good, quiet movie, but I really enjoyed it. Okay, I'm, I, I like everybody in that movie. That sounds interesting to me. Yeah, it's another Netflix original. And okay. I, this is the last one, I promise. And I just have to do this as a shout-out to both of you. Um, I rewatched the the witch again. The Vavitch. And, yes. And the first time I'll say the first time I saw it in the theater, expectations and what I had heard, it was the scariest movie ever, and you're in for a wild ride, et cetera, et cetera. And I was really frustrated at the end of it because I remember I, liked... I saw it with you. Oh, that's right. And I and I loved it, but but the group we were with, it was like half of the people were like, yes, and the other half were like, yeah, I know, I know, yeah. And I was like, but how does how does nobody not how how could anybody not just say that was the best thing ever? Well, I'm you know I'm not as smart as you. We talk about that all the time, <laughs> and I, it takes me a while to process things. And you know. I love jump scares. I live yes, for jump scares. Yes. I fall for them. Oh, yes. I, I, that's, I live uh, that's for my... you living for jump scares. <laughs> Cardios are my other, I mean, sorry, jump scares are my only cardio. Um, <laughs> so I have to have that. But so I didn't enjoy it as much, but then I listened to your episode and it was so well thought out. Aww. You expressed yourself really well. It made me see the movie in a different way and appreciate it again. So I watched it a couple months ago and I fell in love with that movie oh, for what it is. It's amazing. Oh, and I, it's, and I love the young girl that's in it. She's going to oh, be in the new so X Men movie. She's in uh, everything, and she's fantastic. She's yeah. so great. Yeah, so I love that movie. It's one of my new—I guess you call it a horror movie—one of my new favorite horror movies Yay. of all time, and I'll recommend it to everybody. And I have you guys to thank for that. Yay. So there, that's my list. Oh, that warms my little it's a good heart. list. Excellent list. Thank you. All right, Christine, what have you got? I have so many, so I'm going to cut some out and then talk really fast. You do whatever you want to do. It's Friday Friday night. I'm awake. We don't know how long much longer that will last, so let's keep going. I know, but for how long? Ah. Um, But there are some highlights, so let me... Let me let me report. So I re I rewatched Children of Men, and I also oh. watched a terrible movie called ZPG. Oh, that's right, which stands, you did the projection I, booth. I was on the projection booth. That was a great um, episode. I listened. Thank you. So I like Children of Men. This other movie, look, it was hard to find. Don't don't go looking for it. <laughs> I, I like it more than you do, but it has problems. <laughs> but everybody should so, check out the projection booth to hear that episode. It's. I, I had a lot of fun. I thought it was a really um, entertaining. Um, it was talk. 
not not me included. I mean, other people were talking to. I'm not just saying that because it was me. Yeah. Um, so this is a crazy high recommend, and I don't know if either of you have seen it, but it is Game Night, the um, Rachel McAdams. This is that I've one heard. that's on Netflix now or in the movies now? This is in the movies now. Okay. There's something um, called the Game Over that's on Ugh, Netflix, and it's very confusing. That. Yeah. Yes. This is this is uh, Jason Bateman. Is that Rachel McAdams? Why am I? Yes, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. Okay. That this movie is so funny. Huh. I a podcast that I listened to, uh, Who Shot Ya, with uh, Alonzo Duralde and um, April Wolf. Um, they they reviewed it and they gave it such a really good review and they're like, please go see this movie because we need more good scripted hmm. comedies. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of saying what I've said about comedies for the last like ten years. I'm sick of pe- seeing people riff. Yeah, yeah yep. well, I'm sick. I, I'm sick of improv and seeing yeah. people riff and just make shit up as they go along. Just write a goddamn movie. Write a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were yeah. actual jokes in it. It was mm. it it was really good. Like the whole and I saw it in the theater and the whole theater was 100 percent on board. Nice. Like oh. all the jokes were hitting and it was just really great. And um, Zach liked it a lot too. And he's sometimes a little hard to please in the comedy department. So. Um, big thumbs only up. in the comedy department. Sorry, <laughs> very easy to please with everything else. Just comedy. <laughs> Um, so that segues into we watched that movie called The House with Amy Poehler I heard nothing good about it and that made me sad it was so very bad I tried to watch it on a plane I couldn't get through it it's the the opposite of game night it's like if you it's like one is great and one is Mm. everything that I don't like about comedies okay so Mm -hmm. did not work for me Um, I watched The Devil Wears Prada for the first time Okay. What did you, what'd you think, think for the first time? I really didn't like it. Why no do people like that movie? Oh, yeah, I don't like it either. Oh, there. Well, there's. I think three things I really like about it, and then one thing that I don't. I like Anne Hathaway, but I just hate that character. I think she's yeah, she's awful. Um, however, I think Meryl Streep is divine in it, and I love. I think that character is. is she makes her so fascinating, um, and it's one of those cases where you can tell the, the source material was nothing. But you put it in the right hands, and it became something really special. Mm. And I like Emily Blunt, and I think Stanley Tucci is the greatest thing in the world. So, mm. there's a, I, I, I like everybody who's in it, and I, mm-hmm. I hear what you're. I hear you, Emily. <laughs> However, I, I always have a problem with a movie who presents this just like raging asshole who's just an asshole to everybody and is just a pure asshole. And then, like at the end, they're like, "Oh, but see, they're actually nice." Like, well, no, don't let them be an asshole. Don't praise them for being an asshole for two hours and then say, like, oh, there's this nugget of niceness. I don't care. That's they fair. can treat people with respect. Yeah. I mean, it I really think there's bothered. more to her than just being evil for the first part. Yeah. I think, like, like that scene where she talks about the color blue, like, why Anne Hathaway is wearing a blue shirt. Like, mm-hmm. I think, like, there's a lot to seeing, like, oh she is this way because this is the way she has to be in order to be in this position. Um, but I agree. Like it's, it is not high art and the writing is very flawed, but I think there's things about it that I understand why um, it clicked so well with the, the zeitgeist at the time, I guess. And this is your other best friend, Anne Hathaway, right? Well, yeah, I have no problem with her. I hate, I, like Anne Hathaway I think too. her character in the movie is a mess. Um, well, I mean, you guys have a history. Right? Oh, we do. Yeah, we're we're, we're, we're also BFF. She's not like I mean, Charney's my real BFF, and Hathaway's mm-hmm. like my dog run BFF. So ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. you're her BFF, but she's not your BFF. I, yeah, I get it. yeah, it's that kind of situation. 
Yeah, like, it's totally like cool, you and me. Like, Got it. Sh- but she usually <laughs> texts me. I don't usually text her. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Hashtag horror. <laughs> <laughs> Great reference. Thank um, you. I, so, t- in, in closing, Devil Wears Prada, I found it problematic and insulting, and I don't know why any woman would like it. Because <laughs> <laughs> Adrian, Adrien Gren- Grenier's in it. It Ugh. can't be good. Oh, it's uh, awful, and it's um, awful. I think that we should review it, Emily. We honestly. should. Why not? Because we have such differing opinions on it, well, and I wonder when the last time you saw it was. Oh, a while ago, so it could be yeah. very interesting. I wonder if it would play different. Ooh, I was ooh. shocked. Okay, we should do, because I don't know if you have thoughts on the next episode. I love how we're planning this now, but like, we should do like another episode of like a woman boss. We should, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> By the way, quick side note, do you know Stanley Tucci has a cookbook? That's all I want to say about it. <gasps> oh my god! I did yes, not. It, it's a real thing that exists. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Does he do an audiobook version of it? Oh my god, I wish. No, but I will say. Are there audio the... versions of cookbooks? There, if there aren't, <laughs> he should be the first author of one. But you know, speaking of Meryl Streep, since we were and cooking, in Julie and Julia, they started reshowing um, all of Julia Child's stuff on PBS shortly after that movie came out. And it was so funny how they didn't know how to do cooking shows on TV back in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> they, they would stand there and stare at each other awkwardly when they put something in the oven, like, waiting for it. <laughs> so we've got 25 minutes of this. Yeah. So. And they try to talk. I guess we'll clean so up funny. now. It was so dumb. It was really weird. But um, anyway, buy Stanley Cattucci's cookbook because on the cover he has his sleeves rolled up and you <gasps> see his big, beefy forearms. Yeah. Oh. Those nice. forearms just look like they should be pounding pizza dough, don't yes. they? Just and flipping it. Putting I it love in that my mouth. Man. Yeah. He's so After sexy. After it's cooked for 20 minutes. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I'm sorry, Christine. I keep no having thing. a segue. You're segue. fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Meryl Streep, um, and it was it's relevant to one of our movies tonight, uh, I watched Defending Your Life for the first oh, time, okay. which is an album um, it's really, really great. Yeah. Talk about Meryl Streep being the best. She's amazing in it. Um, it's very funny. Mm. And I thank Jason's choice of mother tonight for inspiring us to watch. This. Oh, that is one of my favorite movies, Defending Your Life. It's I appreciate so Mother. But it's so good. And I think I think about it all the time. Like mm. every time I eat spaghetti, I think of her eating that spaghetti. And it's, every time I go to really cute. It's a really cute movie. Oh. Yeah, there's so much that like always comes back to me about that movie. And I have Great. somehow Love never seen it. You, if you if you come across it, you should you should yeah. watch it. I have memories of kind of seeing it on when I was younger, but I never actually like watched it. Um, so it was nice to watch it as an adult and, and appreciate the humor and the mm-hmm. themes. Um, also relevant to this show, I rewatched all the Cloverfields. Ooh, now you're talking my language. <laughs> there's some fan theories out there and the way things interconnect. So we just. Watched all three, and that was fun. Nice. Um, Pacific Rim Uprising was a movie that I watched. (laughs) I saw that, too. Um, It's no Pacific Rim. Nope. (laughs) Um, It was fine. I think I liked it more than Zach did. He was kind of like, eh, about it. But, I I mean, there were things in it that were okay, and there were big machines. I I still haven't seen Pacific Rim. I don't know. I, I like it. Yeah. Kind of related to my previous rule, where I say there's if you allude to a monster, there should always be a monster. The second, like par- sub paragraph B, code A, subsection one states that like it, there should always be more monsters. 
don't cut out monsters. The second one was mostly about big robots, and I don't dig robots. They do mm. nothing for me. I'm a monster man, and I wanted good monsters. Always and you get like, you. yeah. And well, in this in this one, you get like 30 minutes of monsters at the end. That's it, and then you have to slog through a bunch of crap towards the beginning. Then nobody, Look, I didn't like it. This one, it was structured really weird, and there were, like, mini-bosses and, like, a mega-boss, and it almost felt like somebody took a season of television and tried to turn it into a movie. Like, it, it was really weird narratively. I'm very curious how it came to exist and its yeah. state. It was weird. Um, <clears throat> so I watched the Polka King documentary. I've watched... The American Greed about the Poker King. So I finally watched the Poker King movie that's on Netflix with Jack Black. I what I What's didn't I don't know any of the words. Yeah, we, like poker, like poke, like the the Hawaiian food, or poker no, like accordion. Poca, like poker music. Okay, guys, how does Netflix not suggest this to you literally every time you turn it on? I, I, it will not leave me alone. <laughs> I mean, I've seen I've seen Poker Masters. I've seen the Polka Show. I've seen Polka Polka Polka, so, but I haven't seen any of the movies you're talking about. So the Polka King, it's a story. It's a it's a real thing. It's a dude who um, like stole from people. It was like a Ponzi scheme, um, but it was like a big big deal. And so they did a documentary about him, and he's like this real colorful character. And he like snuck people in to meet the Pope. He's it's weird. It's a weird story. So it was a documentary, and then they did like a. Uh, this show on TV called American Greed where they talk about Ponzi schemes and people defrauding people. And so then I guess they were like, hey, we should make a real narrative film about it. Wait, where and does Jack- polka music come in? Well, he plays polka music. And okay. he, all these white people <laughs> because he loves he plays polka and they're like, oh, he's the best. We trust him. He plays a polka master. I'm going to give him all my money. That makes sense. So they made a movie and it has Jack Black and Jenny Slate in it. Oh. Um so I watched that movie. So now I know more about the Polka King than I think. <laughs> Certainly more than either of us do. Obviously. It, I, I, Netflix is so weird. Why did it target me? Why did it know? I, I can't believe I'm sitting here in Lederhosen holding an accordion and you're the one that got this movie. <laughs> oh, me, oh, my. Um, it, it's, I don't know if it's good or not. I'm just now enamored with the story. So <laughs> there's that. Um, I rented a movie called The Ghoul, and it was it's produced by Ben Wheatley, so that's why oh. I think I picked it up. Okay, and then I found out it's I think it's streaming on Hulu, so it's available to stream. I don't I think I kind of liked it, mm. but I don't know. <laughs> I'm just gonna mention it if anybody's into like it's like uh, people would say it's Lynchian, and then I would throw all over throw up all over them, or they would say it's hit. Hockeyan, and then I would tell them to shut up. But if so, if you're into that kind of stuff, you might like this. If movie. you're into being thrown up on by Christine, you might enjoy it. Is what you're saying? I don't know. <laughs> Say something's Lynchian. Be quiet. Um, I saw the new Tomb Raider, and I hated it. Really? So it was real. What, what made you hate it? How boring it was. Uh, that's a shame. I, I've only fallen asleep in a in a movie theater one other time. Mm. Wow. It almost and I wasn't tired. It was like a Saturday afternoon. It's not like we went to like a midnight showing. I was yeah. I shouldn't wake. I kept nodding off. I don't know. I couldn't. I kept checking out. Um, people are being real hard on that that main actress whose name I can't. Alicia Vikander. Right. Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah, I believe you. I yeah. trust you. Thanks. Because ev- everything <laughs> is women's fault. 
She's obviously. fine. I, I didn't have a problem with her. It's the story in the movie and the the story that the movie decided to tell. It's weird. I don't know. And this like, this uh, is the one movie they're going to point to and yep. say like, oh look, women can't be action stars. Yep. And doop, 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 doop. I mean, that's why even before Wonder Woman came out, I was like saying to Brad, and I'm like, we're buying tickets, even if we don't go see it. We're buying tickets to it because we need that yeah. movie to do well. That's what I did for for Ghost, Ghostbusters. Yep. I was there opening night, yep. and like I kind of hated it, but I was there opening oh, night. I like Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I have a few more that are worth okay. talking about. I saw Insidious Four finally. What did you mm-hmm. think? I have not seen it yet. Oh, yeah, really? Oh, but I like the Insidiouses. That's the thing. You like I only part like three, though. Three, yeah, exactly. three is so good. I don't enjoy the Insidious movies as a franchise, okay. so it's not surprising that I wouldn't. Like well, and four. this one was directed by the guy that did um oh, the movie about the old woman, the the taking of Deborah Logan. I think it's that. Oh, director. that was great. Yeah. Was it? I still haven't watched that. Oh, it's really good. Oh, it's good. And that, like that's why I was excited about Insidious 4. I was like, "Ooh, okay, good." I mean, 3 was so good and now putting it in the hands of like a young director who whose work I've liked so far. Mm-hmm. That's disappointing that you didn't like it. Well, you know, it's so trite to say like it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. But like sure people like this movie yeah. it's just I don't like that franchise. Right. Just like people don't like the paranormal activity franchise and then I will tell them that they're wrong, and it's great. <laughs> it's just, the Insidious movies are just, I, I guess, yeah. not where But 3 I'm is at. good. You agree on that. 3 is great. Yeah. yeah. It is. Um, so, I mean, watch it if you're going to watch these movies, but I don't know. Um, there's a movie with Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair, and it's called Mom and Dad. Mm, I've yeah. seen everybody talk about it, and um, I, don't, I haven't watched it yet. What did you think? Look, I didn't like it, but yeah. maybe, maybe other people would. <laughs> Is it because now? Did you enjoy most of it? But the scene where the blank ate the or killed the blank really bothered you. Um, a lot of scenes in it really bothered me. So, like, I I haven't seen it, but I listened to the bloody good horror episode uh-huh. about it, and they gave fair fair spoilers. And just like where I war- I told you guys that the dog lived in the other movie. Mm-hmm. I. I need to know that a baby's okay. Yeah. And I found out that a baby's not okay in this movie. Oh yeah. A hundred percent know what you're talking about. Yeah. I was already soured on it by the time that happened. Mm, okay. I, look, I don't want to climb up on my PC liberal soapbox, <laughs> but I don't need to see kids getting murdered at school in a movie. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Like, that's just not where I'm at right now. Yeah. So like maybe Especially the right movie now. was was actually great and I just wasn't in a great headspace for it. I mean Nicolas Cage was just non on scenery being bananas, which is which was great. And Selma Blair is great. I like her too. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, just maybe it wasn't the right stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to separate yourself from like a movie a lot of times or like your headspace because I remember when when the third Batman came out, which I don't know what even what's called the Dark something Dark something. Dark Knight Returns, right? Or Rises? Well, rises or Returns? Rises. Rises. Okay, I think, whatever. Yeah. And uh, that was right after the Colorado shooting at the yeah. at the you know the right the that happened in the theater, it. yeah. Yeah, and I could not get that out of my head. And there were so many guns in that movie, and right. so many people just shooting well, guns off. It every made me time, really uncomfortable. like two weeks ago, or I guess a month ago now, when you saw the previews for um, Death Wish. Oh, I can't. Like, I, I just watch looked at that, and I remember pausing, like, I seeing it on TV oh. and pausing it and looking at Brandon and being like, I have never wanted a movie to fail more than I want that movie yep. to. Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I'm i not the biggest fan of the original. Like, I like part three because it's stupid. But it's one of those, like, okay, what was the reason for making this movie? Come on. Like, I, I get that, you know, people are oversensitive or something. But, like, everything about that movie, when you look at those trailers, it was like, oh, my God, how could you release this a week after 
what happened. And right. like and so I feel similar probably for a movie like Parents where it's like, no, I just don't want this right now and I Yeah. You know. And every dumbass white motherfucker out there is gonna be like, I need a gun so I can protect my family right. and I'm gonna be just like Baldy what the hell's his name? I don't even know his name anymore. No, Baldy Willis. Yeah. Yes, like Baldy Willis. I hate him now. <laughs> I'm and, like, the worst. Yeah. Part of his pro gun thing is part of is a little bit of it, but then hearing that he just was such a dick on so many movie sets. Yeah, on every oh. movie set, every yeah. Yeah, no, fuck that guy. I cannot stand him. So no, thank you. Wait, were we talking about? It? I'm sorry, Christine. <laughs> we no, were talking I mean, about mom and dad. I think, I think we were in a way always talking about him. Um, this podcast has actually that, just like... been one elaborate um, reveal that we are Bruce Willis. Yeah. I just I just say how much I hate, hate Bruce Willis about every hour on the hour. I think it was time. <laughs> we got another one coming up soon. I gotta so. okay, go Wait, gotta do this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been being very negative about movies. I'm gonna try to positive it up. Um, yes. I saw a Quiet Place. Oh yeah. That's the movie that I wanted I to hear what you thought about before I go see it. I keep calling it the Quiet Movie, and I don't remember what it's called <laughs> ever, but it's called Quiet Place because I wrote it down. Um. Liked it, didn't love it. Okay. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, and it's one that, too, if you, like, pull it some threads and start thinking about it, it oh, really goes down the drain. Uh-huh. There's some things that I was like, wait a minute. Um, but in the moment when you're watching it, like, yeah, Emily Blunt's just amazing. It was her movie. Like, John Krasinski's over there looking hot or whatever, but it's Emily Blunt's movie. She, I mean, she's and- so good. Yes. And if there's ever been a um, what's the what's that misogynist term for a character the Mary Jane Mary Sue or Mary Sue if there's ever been a Barry Sue in a movie <laughs> that's John Krasinski <laughs> he's just like perfect dad perfect beard perfect sweater he loves his kids he's the best husband to his mom he can build stuff and he can protect his family and everything's perfect all the time so that I, that didn't bother me in the in in it, but then thinking about it afterward, like when I've been really critical about it, I have problems. Mm. Um, but overall, it's fun. It's very enjoyable. It I is, will say yeah. though, the but going back to Cloverfield, what did you think of the monsters, Christine? And oh, um, I was okay with it. I know that you're a monster man, so yeah. for me, less would have been more. I don't know yeah. if you feel the same way. Yeah, I, less is fine. Less is more. But if you do show more, be better at it. Just oh, like yeah, be better. Sure. Don't just steal Cloverfield. Make it smaller with bigger yeah. ears. Uh, and it was basically <laughs> the Demogorgon too mm. from it, Stranger Things. It, it didn't, and you didn't. You know when you? This is going to be so. Don't listen to me. Everyone, stop listening to me. But you know when you have a monster that's either otherworldly or may, like an alien, or even from like like some undiscovered place in the earth. You yeah. want that monster to tell a story when you see it, right? Like, mm. like this monster is clearly you know from like a different planet because look at it. It it moves different in different gravity. Or oh, this yeah. monster came out of the ground. So it, I don't know. That's what like, the like fuck attack, the blo- the, att- attack the block. The fact that the the monster was blacker than anything in the world. Like, yes. that's all they had to yes. do to make that not of this planet. Yeah. Exactly. It and just that told kind the story, of like, too. Like a Silent Hill monster with right, good right. listening skills. Like, that's, that's, like, I get it. That's <laughs> fine. But, like, so much of the movie hinged on mm. that. Like, because, I mean, that's what it is. Like, you can't, you have to be quiet because of these things. It's what the movie is. Yeah. It's, 
and make them be a little bit cooler. See, right. I'm I'm really intrigued because I know I know I told you this, Christine. I read a book about six months ago called The Silence, which I did, is I remember. about a family in England, and the daughter is is like ten years old and she's deaf. Um, so the whole family knows sign language. And meanwhile, somewhere in the jungle, they have dug up deep so deep that they've released these like bat-like creatures that hunt by sound, and the entire world starts getting overrun. And this one family um, is able to survive and goes to this like you know remote um, countryside and tries to survive it. And I heard about the book from an interview with the guy that directed Wish Upon, talking about how that's the movie he's making now, and he's so excited because the book's so good. So then when I saw the preview for A Quiet Place, I'm like. Oh, that's an adaptation of that book, right? No, it's just the same exact story, but being made... Having, having now seen the movie, it's shocking how much more sim- how much yeah. more similar it sounds. So, like, I'm so fascinated now of what's going to happen. Like, I want to see it, because, I mean, it looked good anyway. But, like, I'm yeah. so curious, like, oh, this is like a deep impact Armageddon case, only a little mo- even more complicated. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is there going to be a lawsuit? Like, that sounds like lawsuit territory. Yeah, I, like, I was, like, trying to look, like, I found, like, the author's website where, like, sure enough, he was, like, talking about, like, all the comments. This is, like, a month ago where people were like, so I saw this trailer for a movie. Is that your movie? He's like, no, we're dealing with it. No, and I didn't remember exactly what you said. I thought this was the movie that you were talking about. Exactly. I remember you talking about this. It's the same exact, you know, again, like, the daughter is deaf, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that actually aids the family and the opposite of aids the family. (laughs) Like, what is the word? Uh, That's how it was. say that. Sure, because that's how it was in A Quiet Place. Like, that was actually, it helped them because they already knew sign language Mm -hmm. and they had these, you know, they had this ability. But also, like, they have this girl that doesn't know when she's being loud. And, like, they, and so it was interesting to see that dichotomy. So there's a lot of really good stuff in that movie. And I'm wondering what they took from the book now. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You guys should read the book and you'll see what I mean. Okay, I will. Okay. Yeah. Christine. (laughs) Well, no, it's fine. Um, one last thing, just because I'm curious if anybody else has seen it, and if you haven't, you should see it. For a million years, everybody's been talking about this weird movie with Kyle MacLachlan. I'm not really spoiling anything, but it's about aliens. It's this weird movie. Oh, everybody needs to see it. It's so bizarre. It's called The Hidden. I finally watched it. It's so fucking good. I have it DVR'd. Um, TCM aired it like two years ago, and I DVR'd it, and I haven't watched it yet. Oh Oh my god. so good. Okay. I'll really? Watch it. Okay, I will too because I I know of this movie working in uh, video stores for years. I always came across it, just never watched it. Hmm. I wasn't a Kyle MacLachlan fan for a long time, but like I liked him on Twin Peaks. But then I I was like, oh, I like him here. I'm gonna watch some movies. And then there's an ear in a cornfield, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? That's, <laughs> this isn't Dale Cooper. Um, so I, I didn't ever watch his movies, but if you say it's good, I'll give it a try. I yeah. really liked it. It was refreshing. Okay, cool. good to know. Very good to know. Right. Well, that's it. That's all I have. Nice. Emily, what do you got? All right, I just got a few because I knew there'd be three of us. So I'm like, I'm going to read more books instead for the next couple of weeks. Um, oh, nice. Uh, one of, so I rewatched Lady Bird. Oh, oh so what did you think? It's still so fucking good. I love yeah. it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I cried. That will come up later in our show, too. Oh, I'm sure. Like, just, again, like, watching it and, like, I love, like I'm watching it with you guys, like, Christina. I did an episode on it. I saw it with Jason. Like, since watching that, the more I think about it, and the more I really realize that is the closest movie that has ever come to like capturing like a, a, an era of my life in a way. Like there, and again, it's not necessarily the character of Lady Bird, but like 
the ex- both the excitement and the overconfidence and the insecurity of being a high school female in oh, the yeah. late 90s, early 2000s. Like, I felt that so deeply watching that movie. And it just, you know, all those things came back. And I, uh, I love it. And it holds up. So, yeah. I, I think it's really interesting how I, I, I have to get this out because yeah, this please. has been on my mind a lot. I feel like writers are like finally realizing that there is a difference between, gosh, what are the words? Maybe shy, introverted, and not confident. I think that people always yeah. conflated all of those things. Because, it made it, like, yeah, the same character. Yeah, yeah. because um, Lady Bird, she, I would say that she is both confident and but a little shy. Um, in some ways, because, you know, she can't be herself. And so it's a really layered character. The one that always comes to mind in this instance is um, Tina Belcher on Bob's Burgers. (laughs) I love that she is shy, but she's super confident about herself, about her appearance or sexuality. I love that, that, like, writers finally understand there's a difference between those things. And, like, I can remember that, like, for me, especially in high school, where I could get on stage and, you know... Like any any if I, I was confident in all of my homework and I was confident standing in front of people and giving a speech, you know, when running for class president or something like that. But yet I did not know I was so insecure about the way I looked and, you know, about my status as somebody that anybody could date. Like and so it just was this weird, like with my friends I was super confident, but with boys I was super insecure and like it, you're right. Like it is, you know, we're all more complicated than just, oh, the shy girl. Like there's so much more to it. And I think that movie hits that so well. Yeah. I thought it was really, really well done. Like myself personally, I think I'm a lot, when I tell people that I'm an introvert, people are like, oh, but you're so outgoing and funny and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I think there's a difference between the, those things. Like I, I can still yeah. be an introvert, like in groups of people that I don't know, I get really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I go inside myself. And I think those people are, I know those people who tell me that I seem confident and funny and right. outgoing. I'm like, yeah, I know you, I know that nothing bad's going to happen, but when it's strangers, they might murder me. <laughs> and you know, people don't understand the difference. So I, I, I that's what I, one of the things I took away from Lady Bird and I really liked it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, on, uh, in continuing the tradition of these new NBC, uh, musicals, I watched the Jesus Christ Superstar live in concert, which it wasn't a concert. It was a production of Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, either of Christine, I know you didn't watch it. Jason, did you? I didn't watch it. No, I did not. Uh, it was really good. I really, I, like, I heard it was people good. really liked it. Yeah. Um, I heard they finally figured it out. Well, right? I think, I think there were a few things that, that I think they've really been learning with each time they've done it. And like what Greece did, as much as Greece wasn't great, Greece by having an audience, yes. like Greece really like reminded everybody, yeah, you need a fucking audience when you're doing a musical on stage. It doesn't make yeah. sense without one. So having the an audience Liz. helped with I think the the other key of um, Jesus Christ Superstar is that it's a rock opera, so there's no dialogue. And oh, the nice. dialogue again, especially because it's a stage musical without an audience. On every one of those other ones, all the dialogue always just kind of stopped the show dead. And in yeah. this case, you don't have any dull moments. It's just constantly moving. And, like, I mean, it was a great cast. Everybody was great. The um, They did a simple – it's it's the kind of show that lends itself to this, too, because you don't need a giant set. You just need a kind of modern, stylish set, and you can do a lot with a little, and they did. Um, so, yeah, it was exactly what it should, what all of these should have been. So it was nice to see them finally nail it. 
Yeah, I <laughs> nail remember. It. <laughs> nail it. Zing. Take that, Jesus. Right. Um, I remember when we watched The Wiz, I, I watched it with uh, our friends Alex and Craig, and Gray was at our place that night, and we all watched together. Gray Drake of uh, the Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes. Of Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes. I'm your grandpa now. Um, <laughs> but um, we that would have been amazing if i had seen that on stage yeah. it would have been amazing but everything just fell flat yeah because there was no audience and no reaction but without an audience you didn't know what you were supposed to do like yeah and especially the fact that they didn't have a curtain call on all those like how do you exactly. end up this musical on this beautiful note and then like that's it goodbye credits yeah it, it's right. just weird and it just kind of they didn't understand how to transfer the medium and i think maybe they finally found it Good. I'm glad they're yeah. getting there. That's yeah. great to hear. Uh, I went to the theater with my husband, and mm-hmm. we saw because um, we'd both read the book and we both enjoyed the book. Didn't you know it was not the greatest book, but it was a fun book. Uh, the movie, which I know has many, um, many very passionate opinions, one way or another. Uh, we saw Ready Player One. Oh, okay. I I was disappointed. In it. Not like disappointed. Like I wasn't expecting it to be stupendous like I thought like okay maybe Spielberg can do something pretty cool with it and it's the kind of book that you think like okay you can do something really neat with this because I don't know how you do this on screen and I think in fairness most of the adaptation aspect of it what they changed for screen I think made sense they took major plots and major scenes that are not very visual and just changed them in a way that made sense Mm. but um First of all, I, I was so... The more I thought about it, the more angry I got with a lot of it. Um, and the casting is the biggest issue for me. Is Everybody is... Not everybody, but the main kid, who is the kid in, I think, um, the Gillian Flynn movie that we watched. Uh, yeah, he's in, he's in some stuff. Yeah. Um, no charisma to... or charm whatsoever. Mm. Playing a character who's supposed to be kind of like a scrappy underdog. But this kid brought nothing. And th- I mean, that's not entirely his fault. I love Spielberg. I like... But I don't know what Spielberg was trying to, if he was talking to his cast or not, because they weren't doing anything and it was bothersome. And it's strange because he's so good with kids. Spielberg has always, that's and, what and he's that's excelled what really at most. And that's what really bothered me, was thinking of like, you know, Spielberg knows how to usually pull out these really charming, likable performances from young actors. And even sitting in the movie theater and realizing we'd seen a, a trailer for the Avengers before, and when Tom Holland comes on as Spider-Man, and just in like his two seconds on screen, you're like, gee, I wish Tom Holland played that part, or I wish, you know, like a kid from Stranger Things played that part. Like, how just the lack of anything, this, this kid was giving nothing for a character who is supposed to be a scrappy, poor underdog. And it like just yeah. killed it for me. I mean... I don't know that anything else would have really like taken it to the next level because I think the movie had a lot of other problems, but that in particular just made it so hollow for me. Well, isn't he the kid from I I can't remember the title, but like How to Kill a Dog or something? How to Kill a Deer? No, the... he looks a lot like that kid, but he's not. Oh, okay. That kid's fantastic. He wouldn't have been right for that part, but he, oh, I thought okay. it was the same kid at first, but it's not. Oh, the, okay. the other kid Never I think mind. is Irish. Um, this kid, it's you... Ty Sheridan. Ty, Ty, Ty Sheridan was in. Um... He was in Open in... House, right? No, no, he, no, no. no There's three different actors. <laughs> they like Jack oh my god. From Lost is in Open House. I'm I'm really blanking on Ty Sheridan. Ty okay. Sheridan was Cyclops in the new. Yes, he's in, in the X Men movies. X-Men. He was in yeah. Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse. He was in Dark yes. Places, which is what we watched. Thank you. 
Thank um, you. Oh, he's in Joe and Mud too, in Tree of Life. Yes, he's, like he's really like, good in Mud. Yeah. The thing is, he's a really good actor. Yeah. So to hear that he comes across really uncharismatic, yeah. is, is he he would honestly have been the one reason why I would have given it a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I don't know, like in the book, the character is supposed to like he starts off really chubby and like you know he's supposed like all I mean the whole cast is supposed to be fat like but of course it's a movie so instead oh, you're gonna cast Olivia Cook as the girl who is blatantly plus size in the book but whatever I can forgive that I get it you want them to look pretty on screen but I also like. I just wanted scrappiness. Like, this is supposed to be a kid who grew up poor and, like, but is really smart and all this stuff, and he's just nothing. Um, and I don't know, I'm curious of other people who've seen it, if they felt, if they were as annoyed by that as I was. Because it was, like, well, halfway through the movie that I really realized, I'm like, this is bothering the fuck out of me. Well, I'm making connections all over the place tonight, but remember that Bruce Willis, Baldy Willis movie? <laughs> the it was called like it wasn't avatars but it was that yes thing. i know exactly what you're talking about surrogates surrogates yes where yes. everybody just stayed in their house all the time but they yep. had these like robot things that would go out and like do work and whatever Ugh, and the whole world the did dream. that but i know it is but we'd all be so fat nobody <laughs> yeah, was fat in that exactly. movie yeah we'd be everybody people. was super thin yeah, yeah. so it's Wally That's showed us a real that <laughs> Wally pre- ironically presented us with the most yeah. accurate. Wally is the most honest of depiction of like. the future that we have had yeah. yet. Yes. Yeah, and, and you know what's sad is when I saw that movie, I immediately was like, "I've been walking around like a sucker. <laughs> I want one of those chairs. <laughs> Give me my uh, chair. That looks amazing." Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, so it's not a recommend on my end. Good. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I'm glad that I'm not the only one that got those three actors confused, but they are three distinct different actors. So Ty Sheridan I still don't know is who this we're kid. Talking about, so. The kid from um, Open House is was in Lost and like five Launder SVUs, and the kid the in The kid Killing from... of the Sacred Deer is Irish and is a different kid. The got kid it. from, um... oh, I just forgot what you said. Oh, God. Lost and the Open kid... House? Oh, and Open House. He's um, not only in Lost, but he's also in that like Suicide is Cool show. Oh, 13 oh, yeah, Reasons but... Why? Netflix. Yeah, okay. that's what it's really called. 13 Reasons Why Suicide is really cool. Yes. <laughs> Colin. No, but uh, I tried to watch that show, but I couldn't. I found it troubling. But anyways, yeah, that kid, that kid's that kid got a weird hairline, yeah. I think. And like all three kids have, because they all have really, really blue eyes, and they're all kind of the same yeah. age and so on. But um... If I have to pick my favorite, it would be the kid from Open House, even though I hated that movie. Mm-hmm. He was really good in uh, Don't I... Speak or Don't Breathe. Don't Breathe. Yeah. <laughs> Don't speak. Really... I know what you're thinking. <laughs> um, I think. I mean, I've only seen That's the killing so of the sacred deer kid in the killing of the sacred deer, but he was fantastic killing that sacred deer. Look, I think all of these kids are great. <laughs> I don't know why I had to just tie it up. At you the must end. choose one, Christine. Look, all these kids are great. <laughs> Date Mary Dump. Who's it going to be? <laughs> I don't know them well enough. That's fair. These three people look like one of those like meth ads. Like they get the first <laughs> one, and then like two two years later, Aww. and then five years down the road, never not once, kids. After you kill all those sacred deers. <laughs> yeah. All right, I just got a few more. Um, okay. I there's another. So like I record movies on TCM, and I can never return my DVD. Like if my cable box has a problem at this point, I'm just going to live with it because I have so many things on there now. And so like five years ago, I recorded Chariots of Fire and I finally decided to watch it. Uh, wow. Yeah. This is what, 1980 or 81. It's like the movie, yeah. in, no, 80, 82, because it's infamous for beating Raiders of the Lost Ark at the, for best picture. Um, yeah. I watch it. Like I watched it for the music mostly. And like, it's, it's about running. It's, 
very British movie from the early 80s with a synth score. It's fine. I don't That's the thing. If people don't know that movie, they know the music do, from do, that movie. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I used so to have it on my running mix. Running. But the problem I used to have, I would have it like when the race started. My problem is when I hear that music, I just want to run in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not very conducive to running. So I took that off. Um, also, via recommendation of Christine, um, Brandon and I sat down and we watched a little movie called Logan. Oh, oh, you finally watched it. Did you like it? Holy fuck, this was good. Yeah? Like, yeah. I knew it was going to be good. You said it was good. Everybody said it was good. It was nominated for an Oscar. I'm like, okay, I'm sure it's going to be good. Um, and I'm glad because I had asked you, do I need to see the other Wolverine movies? And you said no. You, like, con- like if you're confused, that's okay. It's intentional. And you were absolutely right. Um, this was so fucking good. It. It was, I mean, heartbreaking and sad, and I was very shocked at some of the things that happened that I was like, oh, well, that, no, that, that character will be, oh, my. Nope. You know. Yeah. Oh, no. what, were you shocked, shocked that he got another fa- happy farmer family murdered? Oh, that, well, that's like, so upsetting. Spoiler alert, but yes. <laughs> well, sorry, I have to say that Wolverine hates farmers. Oh, I, I didn't know he got other farmers killed, too. Every time he's near a farmer, they get murdered horribly. Just stay away well, from farms. That was the breaking. thing. Was like I could not believe. I'm like, oh my god! Like they're dead. Like no, no, no. I'm sure. Like he's gonna be okay. It's 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 just a flesh wound. Just a flesh wound. Oh no, they've been slaughtered. Yeah. 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 Mercilessly. But man, so yeah. good, so fucking good. Like yeah. it just it ended. I, like, I like me it. and Brandon were both like, wow, that's heavy. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's good. And I, I think it's important, and I hope that Marvel goes this route, it's important to kill off your characters yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, as when they start getting older, especially yeah. these actors who can't play the roles yeah. forever. Let us say good. Yeah. yeah, let us say goodbye. Let us have yep. that moment with these characters. Well, I that's really why enjoyed I told that. Brandon, we were trying to figure out when to go see the next Avengers movie. He's like, do we have to see it on opening weekend? I'm like, then I read like on Vulture, it was like, predicting who might die. I'm like, oh, crap, a lot of contracts are up. Yeah, actually, I think we need to go see yeah. it like Saturday morning. Yeah. And I do. I hope they do die because it, I mean, it just, it adds weight and it makes it real. And this was, you know, as much as like, okay, sure, like Dark Knight was kind of that like, oh, God, superhero, like superhero-ness in a real world and all that. Like, this to me was the, like, the closest I've come to watching a superhero movie and realizing like, well, like the toll that that's there, both to them yeah. and to other people, and it was so good. Especially farmers. Very much farmers. <laughs> the toll to farmers. That's what that movie should be called. All right, so the next movie, I, I have two left, and this one I'm really excited because I want to know if either of you have seen it. Um, I was so excited. So I have HBO, and like I keep almost canceling it, as we've talked about, but then like randomly I'm like, oh, is, oh look, new movies are on HBO, and I, sh- I can record them and watch them. And, like, when a movie is considered so bad that it gets its director fired off of another movie he's, before he's even made it, like, you can bet your ass I am going to sit down and watch The Book of Henry. The Book of Henry? Well, I, there's so many movies that are the exact same movie in no, my head. No, this movie now, is, is no other Matt movie, Damon? trust me. So, Book of is Henry is the one that... Is, no? So, Jurassic World guy, Colin Trevorrow, directed this. And okay. when this movie came out, it got panned so badly that basically he got fired off of Star Wars Episode Nine. Wow. This is with Naomi Watts. I don't Watts. know why I... I don't even know what this is. Yes, you do. I'm Naomi Watts my brain. is a mom. Is it Denzel Washington? two kids. No. 
No, that's, that's the book, book of, of Eli. Eli I think. So Naomi Watts is a single mom who has two kids. Uh, what is this of, movie called? The Book of Henry. Oh, of, shit. I one know. of her kids yeah. is the, the boy from Room. The other kid is the boy from It, and he is a genius, and his name is Henry, and he writes a book, and he dies of a brain hemorrhage, but he has left instructions for his mother to murder their neighbor, um, who is Hank from Breaking Bad, because Wait he a is second. abusing this his daughter. I know! It's not, but it kind of is. Do you, do you, is this clicking at all? Do you understand? Do you no, know what I I'm talking about? I don't have any idea what this is. No. Oh my god! Yeah, how did this get made? Uh, no, 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 no. The We Hate Movies did an episode. So about they did. This. They must have. Yeah, because yeah. it was like everybody's like worst movie of of 2017, I think. And it really like it literally got Colin Trevorrow fired from Star Wars. This movie came out. It got panned so badly, and like because the whole time he was like, "I'm really proud of this movie. I'm really proud of this movie." And, like, it kind of paused everything. And I can't remember if this was before or after um, the Han Solo stuff started going on. But basically, like, Disney, Lucasfilm were like, whoa, we're not putting episode nine in this guy's hands. Did you see what he did with Sarah Silverman in this movie? Sarah Silverman's (laughs) in this movie. She plays, like, a drunken waitress who has a weird sexual tension thing going on with this 12-year-old boy. This movie is, it is weird, but it's, like, weird in a way where... Because I knew everybody said it was bad. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean it's bad? And I'm like, oh, I get it. It is made in a way where, like, nobody in this movie acts like a human being would act in these situations. And yet the cast is really good. And they're all fine. Naomi Watts is fucking Naomi Watts. Yeah. Um, the two little boys, like, Jacob Tremblay Room is still Jacob Tremblay Room. And he's great. Kid from It is great. This movie is just doesn't, like... It really, I'm trying to, like, find the words for it. Because I watched it knowing, I'm like, oh, I can't wait. I'm like, I'll probably write about this movie. Let me take notes. And I just, like, kept not knowing what to do watching it. Because I'm like, I don't understand how to explain just how bad this movie is. Because it can just I try defies to, Can I try logic. to use some words to, 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 to describe it? Please. So how about just picture Naomi Watts in the rafters of a fifth grade play with a high-powered rifle. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah, yeah. If, if that turns you on, you're gonna love yeah, this movie. Yeah, it is during, so he, she is instructed that during the school talent show, she has to go murder her next-door neighbor, who's a cop who's abusing his daughter. Um, his daughter, meanwhile, does an interpretive dance. Um, because it's the girl from the Sia videos! Yeah, oh yeah, she's a dancer, and she does an interpretive dance. This and, is what I know! She and was reveals in an episode to of the world through her interpretive dance, because nobody believes, like, like, boy from it keeps telling everybody, um, why isn't anybody doing about doing anything about this? Nobody believes him. Um, but then she does an interpretive dance, and then the principal's like, oh my god, he's raping his, his, uh, his, his daughter, and, like, that. Oh no, things went silent oh, no. again. Did I lose you? Did we lose you? Oh no, I'm here. I think I got excited and I ended up hitting a button <laughs> and things. Sorry. Um, so, That's so, totally shit. So, yeah, so there's interpretive dancing. Um, Lee Pace is in this movie. I, I'm looking at it right now. I'm going to watch this movie. Like this, it is just strong. I never realized this. Christine, I know you've said this, but I never understood. He is distractingly handsome. Lee Pace is disgustingly My hot. My God. Like, he's a, he plays a doctor first of all well and like he just shows up like halfway through the movie and suddenly everything stops because you're like wait what's this movie about this kid's oh my god who are you keep talking because he shows up and he's like nine feet tall and he has blue eyes and he talks Mm. like he's a bird like he just sings his dialogue and it's very distracting and i don't understand if he's supposed to have a relationship with naomi watts it's very confusing 
please watch this movie. It's it's I will. something. It's really I'll something. Okay, you good. sold me. Good. I did what I could. It's on HBO or HBO Go, so you can find it that way. Um, lastly, uh, Jason, you know, because I talked about this on Twitter, um, so I was really excited and terrified to rewatch this movie because it was one that I watched as a kid and I loved it, oh. and I haven't watched it in a good twenty-five years, um, probably more than that. As I pr- actually like twenty more than more than almost probably like twenty-eight years or so. Um, and TCM was doing like a Disney Vault thing where they were airing movies from the Disney Vault, and I got really excited because I saw the Journey of Natty Gann was going to air, oh, yes. and I could finally sit down and watch this movie that I used to watch a lot as a kid, and it's the movie that made me want to like hobo cross country with a pet wolf but i didn't know if it was gonna hold up and my god this movie's so good yeah so good christine did you watch it as a kid i don't even know what it is jason you you tell uh so from what i recall um meredith salinger Mm -hmm. is natty gan and she her dad is like a coal miner right or it's the depression so her dad's just like a worker and can't get any work so he ends up going and becoming a lumberjack in washington and she gets separated from him, yep. right? Like yeah. somehow they get lost. And well, remember... Lainey Kazan is supposed to watch after her, but of course Lainey Kazan is busy boozing and not wanting to yeah. be a foster mother. So instead, <laughs> she ends up running away and hoboing cross country. Classic Lainey Kazan. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and I remember. So this always disturbed me as a child. Those that there, it happens in a lot of movies. It's that scene where somebody's looking for somebody and they see them and they're so close and they're <sighs> running after them. And there's a scene where Natty Gann sees her dad on a train, and she's yelling at him and running after the train. And, he, of course, he can't hear her, mm-hmm. but she's so close, and they've been separated yeah. all this time, and it broke my heart as yep. a child. Um, she has a pet wolf. Um, she meets a young John Cusack. Oh, really? Yeah. He's, I didn't know he is he was her, listen, that. I mean, not, I don't want to, like, yeah, he's her, like, her traveling companion for a while. And it reminded me, like, oh, that's why I always like John Cusack, because I had a crush on him from this and Stand By Me. Oh um, my god, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's just, it's so good. And I was watching it with Brandon, and I was, like, really nervous, because I'm like, oh god, like, I hope, I hope he, like, I hope this isn't, like, painful for him, because it was, and, 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 like, he loved it. Like, he was crying at the end of it. Oh. And it was one of those movies that watching it, like, was the magic of remembering, and not to make me sound old, because it's not like they don't do this anymore, it's just rare that it's done and done so well. When studios made movies about kids, but not made at kids. Like, this mm. is a kids movie because your protagonist is a spunky little girl who is, you know, is a child. But this movie does not talk down to its to its audience. It doesn't, like, it, um, I mean, it's also, it's a period piece. It's set during the Depression, and, like, they don't spoon-feed you, like, wow, nobody can find work because it's the Depression. And this and this yeah. and this. Like, no, like, it's there in the movie, and you could figure it out very easily what's going on, like, because the movie treats it, you know, understands how to tell a story without spoon feeding all of it, and, and it's, it's like, Disney. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. But it's, and but it's not super Disney. I mean, there's no. not singing. They're not like, hey, it's the depression, right. and we're gonna it's, get it's in the mind. Um, I mean, the, like, I was like laughing at how how many things in this movie would never be included today. Like the opening scene, like she's smoking a cigarette. She's like, you know, steals a cigarette and they're smoking. And like Ray Wise smokes in this movie. And like, it's never a bad thing in the movie. Um, you know, somebody dies in a lumberjacket accident. She's hitchhiking and gets in a car and the dude starts fondling her and she gets out of the car. Like, it's one of those like, oh, oh my, oh my, oh my. Yeah. But at the same time, like it wasn't talking down to kids. Like it was very much the reality of like, look, if you're hoboing across country, you probably were going to have to fend off sexual advances. 
<laughs> it's a lesson we all need to learn. Right? I mean, and, and like thinking back, I'm like, wow, I wonder how much I absorbed from this movie. Like, maybe this is why I, I, I ultimately never did go hitchhiking. Maybe that's why that scene in Teeth spoke to you so exactly, much. Like, yeah, right? you, you get in that car. Yeah, no, lesson. wait a minute. <laughs> Nanny Gad wouldn't have done this. Yeah. But it's so good. And, and especially if anybody has kids, um, I heartily recommend sitting down and watching it with them because it's. It's so good. And it, it's it's not dated because it's a period piece, so you would have no idea when this movie was made, you know? Right. And also, it's not one of those movies, like a kid's movie, where the adults are stupid. Right, Like, no. for some reason, they got into that, where anytime it was marketed towards kids, the parents just have to be idiots for yep. some reason. Yep. Um, so parents can enjoy this, too. And also... Uh, let's say we'll, we've talked about this on Twitter, but Ray Wise was a oh slice God. of beefcake, wasn't he? Oh yeah. my God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he's think wearing like is... a wife beater and like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still yeah. find him really attractive, and I think that's why, like, your John Cusack thing. Because yeah. like looking at Ray Wise now, I'm like, oh, I guess he's okay, but I'm still it's Natty oh, Gann yeah, no, in my as head. As a kid, it was like, oh, John Cusack, he's the perfect boyfriend material. As like a six year old woman, I'm like, ooh, Ray Wise, he's the perfect. Exactly. Uh, he's he's <laughs> silver fox material. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Meredith Salinger was the first celebrity to tweet me back on yeah, Twitter. <laughs> yep. And she like, and I saw like she retweeted or something like our our tweets back. Yeah. And forth. Yeah, yeah. She's she's great. I really like yep. her. Married to Patton Oswalt and not married to him too soon. No hey, matter no, what anybody hey man, says. Be happy. Be happy. Yeah, everybody live your life. differently. Everybody grieves differently. Live your life. Be happy. They seem like good people. We're happy. Exactly. Yes. And by the way, watch The Kiss with Meredith Salinger oh, if you so haven't. I, I oh, have. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. One of my all-time favorite 80s horror movies. Yep. She was amazing. It if you haven't seen that, Christine. I have not, no. <gasps> oh. You would love it. Uh, yep. Speaking really? of yeah, speaking of daddies too, there's a great daddy in that one. <laughs> but also, is, yeah. it's a really creepy movie. I it's love it. It's one of the it. great elevator deaths, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Escalator, yes. escalator. Yes, far yeah, more escalator. terrifying than an elevator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, but the Soska sisters aren't going to do that. Get, <laughs> what would it be called? Elevator. Elevator. Hellscalator. <laughs> Get on. I the love escalator. it. Oh my god! I have to they call should, Hollywood right they now. They should do a spinoff, or we should do a spinoff. Well, okay, let's take a break and work that all out. You're right, good idea. Uh, we're coming back. We, which one are we doing first, Mother or Flirting with Disaster? Let's do Flirting first because okay. that's what how I have my notes. That works for me. We'll be <laughs> right back. Turn to cry over me. 
1996, written and directed by David O. Russell, who I believe this was his second film. He had made Spanking the Monkey, which had mm-hmm. festival run, but had not been like received a wide release. Uh, but then he managed to wrangle in a very good cast for his uh, sophomore An amazing feature. cast. Right? Look at, my God, look at that. You can always tell, like... When you watch a lot of the movies I watch, like maybe two or three of the cast members have pictures on IMDb, and then it's a lot of no pictures or like stills from the one movie that they did that happens to be the movie that I'm looking at in IMDb. But like everybody, the first, most of them have pictures. And the one guy who doesn't on the first page, like I know who that guy is. He's, you know, he's, he's adventures in babysitting. Like, I don't know why there's a picture, but yeah. The truck driver, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot he was in that movie. Yeah, that's playing right. the truck driver because that's obviously what he. <laughs> that's all he typecast his thing. Um, but anyway, Jason, uh, tell us first why you picked this movie. Well, again, I loved this movie when it first came out. This was like during the um, the indie boom of the mm-hmm. '90s oh, yeah. after. Yeah. Um, Pulp Fiction kind of Pulp, thank you very much. Yeah. Pulp Fiction came out. Everybody's like, well, I can make a cheap movie and I can be a huge hit yep. and you don't have to spend a lot on movies. So everybody was trying to make quote unquote independent movies and every studio had an independent section, which I never totally understood. <laughs> um, and so the independent movies were drawing in like real names to be in their movies, mm-hmm. like big names. And this was like the biggest one that I can think of with like the most names anyway. And I, so I saw this movie immediately fell in love with the movie, the cast and David O. Russell. And I wanted, he was, that was during the time where I'm like, I'm a film fan and I love <laughs> film. And I, and I was like, David O. Russell is my favorite director. I heart and like, David I watched, O. Russell. <laughs> yeah. And so I'd watch anything that he did. And I did for, I watched three Kings and I really liked it. And like, and so on. And I heart Huckabees and all of his, all of his movies through, through time. And now he's just fallen in love with Jennifer Lawrence. And he's just, <laughs> all, his movies now are just like, gifts put to, of Jennifer Lawrence put together in a movie. <laughs> and so he's he's fine. I, I still like him, but this was when I thought that I had to have a favorite director. Sure. And so David O. Russell was it. I watched Spanking the Monkey. Weird movie, but still really interesting. It's a guy has... It's, it's really it's strange. John, it's John Hawks having sex with his mom, right? Yes, exactly. Is it is that John Hawks? I thought it was John Hawks. I could be wrong about no, that. No, no. It's um not the kid from E.T., but the one who I always... Think oh, is the kid oh no from no! ET. It's the kid. Yes, it's it's Jeremy Davies, also from Lost. Who I always oh, think it's Jeremy is Davies Henry Thomas or John Hawks. Yeah, that was yes. a good way to describe Jeremy Davies. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, it checks out. It does. Yeah. So, I, I picked this movie because I wanted to talk about it again. I used to love this movie, and I tell everybody to watch it. And then, like I said, it fell off my list mm-hmm. for a little while. And I'm really glad that it's back again because I think it's definitely back on my list. I don't want to spoil okay. anything, but I think it's definitely maybe in my top 20. All right, Christine, why don't you tell the people at home what this movie is about? Um, I don't know if I'm the best person to say what this movie is about. Um, I didn't like it. disagree. We want to hear it. <laughs> I hated it. So I'm going to say really mean things about it. Um, but like what it's about, though, you can be nice about that, right? <laughs> well, maybe not. No, oh. I, I, I'm actually a terrible person. Okay, let's hear um, your, your terrible description uh, then. Now I'm Okay, so Ben Stiller is a terrible human oh, being. Oh, yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> and he is insufferable and awful. And Taya Leone is also in this movie doing God knows what, honestly. I don't even know why she's around other than to stir up sexual friction within the marriage to the lovely Patricia Arquette. Yeah. Um, and so Ben Stiller's 
adopted and he wants to go find out about his real parents and it's like half cross-country road trip full of foibles and fumbles till he gets to his real real parents and then he meets them and hilarity ensues <laughs> sure does i really didn't like this movie you guys that's okay it's okay what did but, you like, um what really bothered you because it sounds like you had very specific things or maybe something that didn't let you enjoy it what really bothered you about it because I, I had some problems i don't know if they're gonna be the same as you i thought everybody was really dislikable almost to like a cartoonish degree mm-hmm. and that just mm-hmm. didn't work for me mm-hmm. i mean i get that's what you want to have this movie be that's fine um and i don't need to like every character but like it was like I didn't understand people's motivation a lot of the times. I didn't sure. understand Ben Stiller's character. I really didn't understand Taylor's character. I didn't. I didn't buy them trying to make Pat- Patricia Arquette some ugly, frumpy oh, God, housewife. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking Patricia Arquette. I have eyes in my head. I can <laughs> see what's happening. Um, Josh Brolin's character being like. Like this super douche was like really weird. I did like um, what's his face? Richard I just Jenkins. blanked on his name. Yes, I did yeah. like Richard Jenkins. It's hard not to like him. You know what? Mm. He maybe was my favorite part of this. And then I thought like, oh, I'm just biding my time until Alan Alda shows up. And I didn't even really like Alan Alda in this. Oh wow! <laughs> so let me counter a few things that you said. Just and please, I'm not do. gonna. Ar- I'm not going to argue with you because, like, if I saw this movie now and had never seen it, I would probably feel the same way. I think that nostalgia plays a lot into this and just where I was the time that I saw it. And I was I, – there was a period where I was obsessed with Mary Tyler Moore, uh, literally. Oh, I, she, I think <laughs> – I mean, to me, she might actually be – no, I have a different favorite part, but she's so good in this, I think. She's amazing. And yeah. she's the main reason I saw this movie. It was like – I, I had. I used to have a framed photo of Mary Tyler Moore, Mary Richards in my apartment. Oh, and I was just, I was obsessed with this woman. It was like, it was like Emily's Davy Jones obsession. Yeah, like it doesn't totally make one. sense. Hang, it's hang out that of autograph our picture time. over your toilet. Yeah. I, so uh, that's, there's a lot that goes into me loving this movie, but I will say as far as, um, um, his wife, uh, Patricia Arquette goes, I don't think they were trying to make her ugly. I think they were trying to make her realistic. Like, and I think that Taya Leone is brought in as this, like, weirdly uber-sexual. She's wearing garters and stockings I, yeah. just Her every day. Her was very bizarre, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and for no reason. And she's tall and she's thin and she used to be a right, dancer. She's and she's a dancer, up. yeah. And Patricia Arquette, like, she had just had a baby. And she, is an aver- she has an average body, but she's still oh, fucking gorgeous. But, like, that scene she she's getting herself up? ready for date night. And, like, she's wearing, like, a little teddy and she's, like, putting up her boobs and you're just like holy shit like i'd fuck patricia arquette right now yeah. like, she looks great she, she yeah. looked amazing and then she's like i'm sorry if i haven't lost all the baby weight yeah that baby was five months old you guys right she she was supposed to have been pregnant five months ago and she looked yeah. like that i she don't know and she's bang. married to ben stiller it's not like she's married to army hammer or something <laughs> right I will say though, I had a little crush on Ben Stiller back in the day too. I, um, I, I thought I found him very attractive in this movie, and I because I, I like that nebbish Jewish nervous energy that was very popular <laughs> at the time. That um, was that was very popular. It, it, was it was the style, and like, and that was my biggest. Um, like, I I feel like it's funny because I know I saw this when it came out, or I saw it on video, and really enjoyed it, but I just have no had no memory of most of the details. And watching it this go around, I did enjoy it. 
but the thing that um, really did hurt it for me and made me think, you know, if I was in a slightly different mood, I, this wouldn't have worked for me at all, was mm-hmm. Ben Stiller's character. Because he is... And, and, the, and I, into fairness to the movie, the movie doesn't... Ma- doesn't the movie judges? I think the movie judges him for it. I think the movie establishes that he is an asshole, yes. but it's still not fun to watch a movie with your lead being this kind of twerpy, insecure, not not overly smart, not overly good looking, not funny jerk who is just actively an asshole to his wife. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you, I've never and in- his parents. Yes, his oh, very parents. much. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because, like, so, Patricia Arquette's fine to his parents, and he is actively, like, you, and you get, like, okay, yeah, they're kind of, like, your stereotypical, neurotic, like, Jewish parents who are so worried that here he wants to find his birth parents because, oh, it must mean they were bad parents. And, like, it, you know, like, yes, they're over the top, but he doesn't do anything to assuage their guilt, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. No, I'll tell you, I've never enjoyed it's always sunny in Philadelphia and I, I'm always, I'm like the characters are jerks and I hate them and I don't want to watch jerks for mm. an, a half hour. And, but then when a movie like this comes along, I'm like, yeah, they're jerks, but it's the likable jerks. It works. Works. No, like, I agree. I think it's very much, um, you know, it's funny for me, for books, I can't get into a fiction novel. If I hate the characters, I eventually yeah. give up. It's the, the one thing that will make me put a book down on film it totally depends. And I think what it comes down to me is, is the movie expecting me to root for and care about these people that are awful? Or is mm-hmm. the movie using these people that are awful, you know, to make a point or to kind of, you know, as part of the movie? And mm-hmm. even thinking of, um, like, I Heart Huckabees, which I really enjoy, there is mm-hmm. no real protagonist of that movie. Everybody is messed up and flawed and kind of an awful person. And it works because... Like, I get it. That's what the movie is doing, and it works fine for me. For this, I think maybe that was the one thing, like, that I wish maybe he did push it a little further or just found a way around it was, like, this movie doesn't fully convince me that I'm not supposed to be rooting for Ben Stiller. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, So I I, want to kind of move forward through the plot of this movie. So I I don't want to get lost what the, what the movie's actually about in the plot because i do love a good road trip movie and i love like a jet setting movie yeah, yeah. um and so this and, and this it has is like jet great... setting in weird places which is kind of cool yeah this reminded me a lot of away we go speaking of john krasinski again which i didn't um, see but i remembered when i like saw things about that movie i'm like oh it's like flirting with disaster but for like a modern mumblecore yeah exactly so, um, so the first place they go is uh, San Diego, I think, yes. California, to meet what he thinks is going to be his mom, and that's played by um, Celia Weston, yep. who will just always have a special place in my heart. A- Alice was a big, formidable show when I was a kid. One of my favorite shows. I remember crying the last episode of Alice when I was a little kid. Um, and she was on. She came on after Flo, Kiss My Grits left, and then after Belle, and she was one of the new replacement waitresses, and I loved her on that, and I've just always followed her career, and she's come to this really fun place where she plays somebody's really eccentric mom on every show, <laughs> and that's what she did here. So she's like lives in San Diego, and she has two twin, like, statuesque fembot daughters. Yep. Um, Kathleen Kinmont is one of them from Halloween 4, by the way. Oh, interesting. Yeah, 
the sheriff's daughter who gets impaled with a yep. shotgun in Halloween four. Um, but she, and she like loves Reagan and she's very conservative and she's from a Southern family, but she lives in San Diego. And I just loved her character. What did you have? What did you think of that portion, Christine? Um, I, I was not completely off board with this, this movie at that point. I mean, okay. I thought like, Oh, this is interesting. Obviously this isn't his, his mom, like, obviously, like, this is funny, and I can't wait till everybody realizes it. Like, I was still like, yeah, all right, what are, what are we doing here at this point? So. Okay. And, and Emily, what, what were yeah, your thoughts at this like, point? Yeah, I think, like, it's a funny, because it's a very, I like the timing of this scene. Like, it's very much when the daughters show up, and, like, it's like, oh, we have to have a shirt. Oh, wait, can we have the shirt back? Like, yeah. it's, it's a, this really uncomfortable and even all of, like, he's making jokes and the mother just isn't getting that they're jokes, so she's talking about them seriously. And it's this kind of, like, really, really believable, awkward um, connection that's just not quite clicking. And it makes it that awkward funny that I think works here in this. Because, again, it's not, like, no, it's not mean here, necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It was just like really quirky people being quirky together yes. in their own quirky way. <laughs> I love that part. So then they find out there was a mistake, and that's not actually his mother. And Taylor feels like an asshole, and then finds out that his real father um, lives in wherever they make cereal. Where is that? <laughs> General Mills? Um, oh, Battle Creek, Michigan. Oh, sure. Is that right? Kellogg's? Yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah there, there think... was a. They showed a Kellogg's sign thing. Yeah, the the the, uh, the Tony the Tiger outside right. of the. Kellogg's and again, it's thing. like it's winter in Michigan. Like it's not the scenery that you're used to seeing in a movie like this. Yeah, exactly. First they're in San Diego, and it's beautiful and sunny and gorgeous, and then they have to go to Michigan, yeah. and it's snowy and cold and gross, and that's where we see the 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 driver from. Uh, everything but the babysitter yes. no that's not it adventures and babysitting adventures and babysitting <laughs> and and david patrick <laughs> kelly who was um who's uh warriors come out and play oh right yeah yeah i knew he's, he looked familiar he's jerry horn and twin peaks too i was he was the most oh. exciting thing in this movie <laughs> and i do love this part where like they just immediately start attacking ben stiller and tay leone and uh, yeah. When they when they show up, they knock her camera out of her hand and start kicking it, and she's trying to argue, and then he makes a face at her, and she's like, Whoa, and runs away. <laughs> I thought that was a really good like uh, uh, physical comedy on Tay Leone's part. And, like, I think there's a lot of good... Like, this movie in many ways, and this happens in the next set more than anything, is that it becomes very much a farce. Yes. And, like, I, th- I like that. And I feel like I Heart Huckabees also does that a lot, where it's just awkward like it's people not physically like being clumsy and not connecting and all that and it plays really well and so that like this this worked for me too like the start of that scene i found very funny the thing where it started going off the rails for me is just like what an asshole he is to patricia arquette in this scene is where it's really starting to get frustrating because she's like oh hey i'm holding your baby I don't want you driving a truck. And he's being such an asshole about it. And, like, not even in a reasonable, like, oh, no, he wants to impress his real dad. He just found him. Like, no, he's just being an asshole. Yeah, I'll give you that completely. I agree. Yeah. 
And then they destroy the post office. He backs into it. And then the police come and the police are played by. And I never totally understood what they are. They local well, it doesn't police make sense because the they're federal not agent? like they're like tobacco. Um, like what is the department? Of alcohol, tobacco, alcohol, and, tobacco and something. Yeah. So I don't know why they're the ones that are um, investigating him running over a post office. But, you know, it's necessary for plot machinations. So. Sure. And well, I mean, the post the post office is a federal. It's a government building, true. Yeah. So right, and uh, yeah, they're <laughs> they're, they're super I mean, dicks it's about all right it too. There. <laughs> like everything is like, oh, that's a federal crime if you like throw a letter away. It's like, settle down. It's a flyer, you know. It's a mailer for the local five and dime. Settle down. I'm not. Hey, going man, to if my Netflix disc gets stolen and then I don't get another Netflix disc because that Netflix disc never got to Netflix, I'm gonna be fucking pissed. So yeah, respect my mail. Okay, fair. All right, yeah. I take everything back. Um, so then, <laughs> so Richard, I had this revelation in this movie. I think Richard Jenkins is the male Allison Janney. Discuss. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Um, Can we see that? I, I mean, I the, I'm on board. Yeah. I get the same warm feelings. I, I think he's super versatile. I just love when he's on screen. He goes he's, for it. He does. He's he is able to really. You know, um, we talked about Stanley Tucci earlier today, and I think it's a similar like. When he finds a character that he has to, like, go really far physically for or mannerism-wise, and not just in this movie where he's playing, like, a gay man, I think in general, like, he 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 goes for it, which I appreciate. Which Allison J. Yeah. obviously does. Look at I, Tanya. Always. Yeah. Yeah. I just love seeing Richard Jenkins on screen. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. Tall. Yeah. Has, yeah. And he has the sweetest face. He just looks he like I, he'll always be the guy who murdered the lady from Aliens with a fire poker in Witches of Eastwick, to me. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember that. No, he'll always be wife... Ghost Dad from Six Feet Under to me. But Yeah, oh. I think six, it's Six Feet Under for me, too. Oh, interesting. I think you can tell a lot from about a person from where they know Richard Jenkins from. <laughs> interesting. Um, so, also, Josh Brolin. I, so, what you were saying, Christine, about Josh Brolin being a super douche, Again, I think this movie is very aware of what it's doing. That's why I don't hate it as much as you did. Because Uh he's obviously a super douche. He has tribal goddamn tattoos. I know, I know. (laughs) But it all comes back to, like, am I... I, I, Okay, I get what you're doing, but am I willing to spend an hour and 40 minutes with what you've just done? Gotcha. And, And I don't think I am. Now, that being said, I did enjoy that he was a bisexual man that wasn't necessarily played any certain way he wasn't played as like i'm there are there are gay jokes in this there's a little bit of gay panic in it from like ben oh, stiller yeah. yeah but like the characters themselves weren't stereotypes especially things that, that you'd you'd be more apt to find in this period of filmmaking yeah everything in the 90s is homophobic i think we're all lear- learning that right. now like, i it mean you've just, been watching re- rewatching friends so you know that yes. very much it, there's just like this blanket homophobia yeah and and while it was present in this movie, I was actually surprised how little there was, given that there's a a, a gay man and a bisexual man in like like a, a commit some sort of committed relationship. Yeah. But right. Then, but then they managed to undermine that, and then they 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 do play Josh Brolin's character's sexuality for laughs when he's with Patricia Arquette, and it was just kind of like, oh, what what is this movie trying to be? What are you doing, movie? Yeah, I think they hadn't figured out bisexuals by, by, by the 90s. <laughs> and they still are working they at still it. Have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that is uh, that's something that 
God, I don't even know if this is the right platform for it. But I think there's that this bisexual visibility movement that's really happening and saying yeah. bisexuals exist, et cetera, et cetera. But it is hard for us to give up this mentality of like the 70s and 80s where it was really easy for a gay man to say he was bisexual and be accepted. I mean, yeah. we had Elton John doing it and we had all these musicians You're right. and people it's, saying. It's still now like because I was thinking of examples. I'm like, wait, no, I know something I saw recently did it well. I'm like, oh, Atomic Blonde. Right, because it was a woman. Like, it's yeah. still much more um, comfortable, I think, for filmmakers and television shows to go with a bisexual woman. Um, so that's a step. But, like, you're right. Whenever it's a bisexual man, there's always something more to it. Or he's a sociopath. Like, that always right. seems to be a thing, too. Yeah. So there is that stigma that we can't get out of our heads, and I, I think that's why bisexuality isn't portrayed well on screen, because yeah. because people don't know what to think yet. Yep. Anyway, yep. But but I thought that he was great. Josh Brolin was great. I thought he was... Yeah. I, I always... I, first, I thought he was Craig Sheffer for a really long time. Me too, yeah. Yeah, I always confuse those two people. But I thought he played this role well. Kind of a... Definitely a douche, but, but <laughs> he played a douche well. Yeah. Like, I, I enjoyed him in this. I enjoyed... For the most part, like, and exactly that, like, even, like, him and Richard Jenkins kind of bickering, a lot of it I enjoyed. It just occasionally would, like, we're all saying, cross over into, oh, it's still 1996, and, you know, even somebody who we, I mean, David or Russell has some issues that we'll talk about. Um, even mm-hmm. somebody who's probably clearly pretty open-minded and, like, wanted to have, like, a positive gay relationship in his movie, like, okay, yeah, oh, this conversation's kind of trailing off into stereotype or this. But that being said, it's not the, like, they're playing it really well, I think. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Yes, mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah. especially for this time. And I think I think this movie's, for them, I think this movie's heart was in the right place for that, for those characters. Quick side note, Emily, as an interstitial, can you find the audio of David O. Russell and Lily Tomlin just screaming at each other? I'm going to do my best, you guys. Uh, uh, let's see. So I, I if everybody doesn't know what we're talking about, now David O. Russell has, is like probably, like a lot of directors who are pretty talented, probably an awful human being to actually be around. And um, nowhere is this more apparent than a very infamous YouTube clip. Yeah. Can you hear from... it? Can you guys hear that? No, not really. Not Maybe really. If, if you can cr- grab the audio, play okay. that as the song in between this and the next movie. <laughs> um, yes, I will do that, or else I will pause it and insert this. It is two minutes long. I will Perfect. find a way it... to work this in. Don't worry. We're going to listen to David O. Russell call Lily Tomlin a cunt. And Lily Tomlin doesn't take no shit no, either. She does Jesus. Not. And what's interesting would... too was that was the what second or third film they did together. So yeah, it, you know, I would it, not want to be on the business end of a Lily Tomlin hissy fit. Dear right. God, that scares no. me. And I am guessing because, like, you look at it, his cast, and I think he kind of like some some actors came back for things, and some actors do not. And yeah. I know even like I remember um, after American Hustle came out and there was a lot of talk about like salaries because that was the infamous jennifer lawrence and amy adams making so much Mm -hmm. less than christian bale and bradley cooper but like amy adams also kind of said something to the effect of like oh yeah and david or russell is awful to work with unless you're jennifer lawrence and he likes you so he (laughs) does seem to have been like oh i'm I'm like i can work with this one so yeah well well since we're talking about since we're talking about Lily Tomlin, I think we should segue into the last segment, which is the the shining star of this entire movie. Okay, can I say the, who oh, my real oh. shining star is first? 
Yeah. So I told you I took one note on this movie. Um, just purely because I was on a plane and I didn't want to have to keep pausing and then going back and killing my battery. Um, my one note in all caps is Lonnie is Jeff from series seven, the contenders. Yeah. Yeah. Zach had to look it up. That made me so excited. I knew you were going to, you were going to mention that. Oh, oh, I all just put all the words that you said together (laughs) and now they make sense. Yeah. So Lonnie, Ben Stiller's half brother or brother, real brother, um, full brother. Uh, who is this like very emo, punkish, angry goth kid who I love. As soon as he walks in and it's like, oh, that's Lonnie. And Lonnie's just like angrily whisking. I'm like, Lonnie is the greatest <laughs> character in this movie. And I totally didn't put it together. And then when I looked at the cast, I'm like, I know he looked familiar. <gasps> oh, my God. He was Jeff in Series 7, which, oh. as we all know, is amazing. Does that mean he's British? No, was he's it? American. Oh, OK. I, go- I thought that was a British movie. Am I completely wrong? Yes. Wasn't it? Okay. No, All right, then. No, I'll it's a very it. American movie. Series okay. 7 is the, um, with Brooke, Brooke, oh no, I forgot her name again. Um, it's the movie, it's the uh, game show, Every people are randomly yeah, drawn to kill each, to kill other. each other. Yeah, Yeah, for some reason I'm thinking it's British, but I, I've seen it, but I just picture everybody with a British accent. I don't know why. <laughs> well, anyway, why not? So, well, he is in the last segment of this movie, which is at the Schleking's house. That's how you say Schle- it. Schleetkin's house. Um, <laughs> so we finally found, find Alan, find Ben Stiller's parents, and it's Alan Alda and Lily Tomlin, um, old hippies who have the most amazing house out house. in uh, New Mexico. Yeah. God, I'm in love with this house. You both saw my Facebook yep. post. That's been a dream yep. house for years. Just set out in the middle of nowhere, yeah. uh, lots of extra bedrooms and lots of room. You have a nice big basement, and mm-hmm. it's just like an old Victorian. You God, can, I love this You can this be house. making your LSD, like, right there. It's all good. You can do your pottery and then do your LSD. And there's still have there's a, a taco joint not too far from you. <laughs> yes. Have a secret door that goes to the basement. Yeah. Oh, I love this house so much. And it seems like what it seems like everything's perfect. He meets these people and they're like cool hippies and they're awesome and they have a great house and they're loving and invite everybody in. And but then he finds out that they made LSD and, still and not make. only and not only do they still make it, but Lonnie doses. He tries to dose Ben Stiller's food with it, but he accidentally gets um, the policeman uh, with it, and then he goes crazy, and and Lily Tomlin has to try to guide him. <laughs> She's a- an excellent guide. <laughs> yeah. I love when he frustrates her because he keeps changing his animal. <laughs> she grabs him by his head. She's like, I would do that, too. I don't care what kind of dog you want. <laughs> so I love this entire segment. Um, Christine, thoughts? Did anything I- here speak to you? No, I was 100% out by this point. Oh, wow. damn. <laughs> I just wanted it to end. <laughs> But I mean, it, it does, does eventually. That. It I mean, does it go does. Into, that, into that farce territory, too. Where you I know, just they... don't think that's for me. Emily, do I like farces? Um, you know, I, I'm I mean, like, you like Clue, right? I was, that's a about to, farce. I was just about to say Clue. And I, I think Clue, like Clue is kind of a farce. Um, if Brandon's in the other room, otherwise I'd shout to him because he can kind of give me, hey, babe, <laughs> I, we need you for a minute. This is the best show we've ever done. <laughs> well, because like, he's done theater, so he knows the definition of a farce. Would you consider Clue a farce? Yeah. Why? He says, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people running around in a mansion. Yeah. Um, shouting a lot. Yep. 
dead bodies everywhere. But is there just, should there be like with a farce like mistaken identity and doors opening? Closing? Yeah, that's exactly how I define a yeah, farce. Yes, so that's like, why I was wondering about Cliff Clue really is a full out farce or not. Well, okay. I would think so. Like Mr. Green having a different identity, Mr. Body having a different identity. People are coming in and out of doors. There's there's a uh, fake um, hidden okay. hallways. Brandon pointed out the the best example of of, of farce is the um, uh, on Cheers the episode where Woody and Kelly get married. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know it. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah. I think oh. I I think yes, this gets very farcical because it is, you know, getting in. You're, like you were saying, wrong cars, loading it, music playing, pull up somewhere, just somebody else is leaving. Like, and that. I mean, it's funny because I watch this on a plane. So sometimes when you watch it, like in watch a comedy in public, you're not going to laugh as much as you might otherwise. And I did like think at the end of the movie, I'm like, I don't, I never laughed out loud watching this. Okay. But like, I could, like, I could appreciate what was done well in terms of comedy. (laughs) I mean, I, I, the Catherine Hepburn robot now. I think it was funny, but I did not laugh. And like all the, the listeners farce, aren't going to get that, I don't think. <laughs> the farce stuff. Oh, that's right. Um, you guys missed it, but um, when Christine was shorting out on us, which is why we paused for technical difficulties, um, we we decided that she sounded like a sad Catherine Hepburn robot. It was amazing. You had to, be yeah. but I didn't record it for you, so sorry. Um, but so like I think the farce is funny and presented well and timed well and such, but it didn't have me like LOLing as the kids today say. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think it did the first time I saw it. Now, I saw this in the theater, and I do remember laughing out loud. I saw it by myself, but I do remember thinking it was really funny because I'm, I'm a sucker for that. You sure. know, mistaken identity. The uh, Lily Tomlin and Alan Alda think that they are federal agents, and then they're going to leave their house, but then his real parents show up, and they have the exact same white Ford Taurus, but they get in the wrong Ford Taurus. And, and which then, there's, like, a, there's a really well-placed joke earlier about, like, man, like, all rental cars are just white Ford Tauruses. Exactly. And that pays off, and, like... There is some really, and I mean, this is true of a lot of David or Russell, there's some really clever writing going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciated it. And I think what the sign, say what you will about David O. Russell, maybe he's an asshole and he's hard to work with, but I knew where everybody was in that house and And what was going on. Such an important thing when you are doing horror and comedy. Yeah, exactly. I knew where everybody was placed and what was happening at all times. I was never confused with like the spatial awareness of the film. And I appreciate that. So that that went really far for me just to know like how all these pieces are fitting together at this one moment. I agree. So. So, and, like, to sum it up, too, like, the entire, we never really said, but Tay Leone is tagging along because she's supposed to be making a documentary about, like, reconnecting yeah, with your parents. Yeah, that gets thrown out the window almost immediately because there's <laughs> gunk in the video recorder. Like, come on. So we and were all just supposed to be, like, skirt up technology. What's that? Yeah, I, I really, Christine, you brought it up early, but it's true. Like, I get that there was supposed to be a female that you know, was sort of testing the relationship. And you think of, like, the credit sequence where it's basically all of these couples together kind of showing the strength of all these very different relationships. But I really don't understand her character and how she fit into this the more I think about it. Well, see, my interpretation of that is, like, all of the other couples are together and they've, like, had a journey and they've reconnected in some way and, like, they had a a story arc. 
her story in this movie is trying to insert herself into another family's life. She is divorced. She wants kids, but she doesn't have kids. She doesn't have anybody in her life. So she's trying to insert herself through this documentary film into another family. And then at the end, she's doing that same thing by being a surrogate for right. probably what we're presuming is a gay couple, like carrying yeah. a child for them. She can't have she can't maintain any life of her own. So she's constantly inserting herself into others. Which is really ironic because this would have been an amazing documentary if she had continued it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I just, the problem I think that kept bugging me is that, yeah, like she's really bad at her job. But what is her job? Is she working for the adoption agency or she's just doing a, a report on this? And how is she hooked up with him if that's the case? And like, as soon as I started overthinking that, I just got very confused. Yeah, it's not very clearly laid out other than she's a grad student. But what does that mean? Right. Why are you with this family? But I, I like Taya Leone. I was a huge fan of The Naked Truth, her TV series, mm-hmm. before they ruined it. Um, and her and on the Racine Bells in A League of Their Own. <laughs> she's amazing. She's a, I think she's a comedic genius. She was, and she's underappreciated. Yeah. Um, but so I think she's great in this movie, but maybe it's not the best written character. I'll yeah, I don't have a problem with her as an as a performer in this. The problem is I don't think her character is fully realized in terms of what she's doing there. Got it. Okay, I'll allow it. <laughs> that's, very big, that's very big of you. But I will say, I mean, Alan Alda and um, Lily Tomlin are comedy gods. Yeah. Oh God. If I could, we can, We all have that fantasy that like somebody else, you know, you're adopted. If well, I had found out that Lily Tomlin and Alan Alda were my mom and dad, Brandon I would is convinced die. that my dad sound, that Alan Alda and my dad have the same voice. I don't really I, hear it, but I can see it. I can see a little bit of I it. I mean, they're both from like Alan Alda is like a Long Island guy, so sure, like, yeah, they both kind of have the same accent. Uh, I was on a plane once with Alan Alda. Ooh, I think I knew that. Like I walked by, and like when we sat down, Brandon's like, "Did you see who was up there?" I'm like, "No." And then I heard him talk. I'm like, oh, "I hear him. Yeah, that's Alan Alda." Oh he's my like, god, no, that's he's amazing. He's like, "Yeah, doesn't it sound like your dad?" Oh, that's fantastic. Well, any, any, so I always take over when I'm on your show. That's I'm cool. I've had that. a long week. I had to travel. <laughs> this is all good. But any final thoughts? Anything else we want to get out? Um, the term baby batter jumps to mind for me. I had never heard that before. Baby batter. <laughs> baby batter in reference to sperm. One of the huh. characters said, "I, you know, the guy he thinks is his dad is like, I dropped a lot of baby batter in my day. You, oh, you'd yeah. never heard that? That was common usage. Never. <laughs> Not that I used it. I mean, I just heard it. I would I actually never have it tattooed on my, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's your tramp stamp. Exactly. I think it is. I've never been able to see it because I can't turn around. <laughs> Hi. Um. I. You know. I'm. It was a really interesting movie to rewatch. Uh. And I did. Like, I'll probably never watch it again. But if it was on TV and I couldn't find anything, I'd probably turn it on in the background. Um, okay. It made me a couple of, I guess my like le- like final observations was like, Patricia Arquette can be like really lovable on screen. And I think she is here. Um, some of the, the things that I think I like about David O. Russell, and it's a lot of what we've said, like it's certain weird comedy beats that he does well. The bed and breakfast stuff for me really worked well. Oh yeah. He's like constant things about like, Oh, I don't want to go to a bed and breakfast. Who doesn't like a bed and breakfast? Well, I don't know. They always try to talk to you. And, and like all of those little, a lot of those comedy beats of then cutting to this woman talking about Ronald Reagan, which was earlier, like a thread with the other family. And then like cutting to the cat and like all of that, like he's, 
his timing, I think, in terms of being a comedic director is really on point. And I think it's mm-hmm. important here. And so that's why the things that don't work, like Taylor Leone's character, I think stick out more for me. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Christine, you want to shit on this a little bit more? <laughs> no, no, I think I've sufficiently done so. Um, I, anything that I liked about it had been completely overshadowed by the time we got to the end, and I was that's just fair. ready for it to be done. That's fair. I mean, I, there's a little part of me that worries about liking a movie that you hate so much, because we're usually so <laughs> in, in, in tune. But I will say, I still love this movie. I, I love a good comic farce or screwball comedy or whatever you call it. And this was a little bit, a, kind of a dark screwball comedy, which really works for me. Yeah. And the cast, like I said, I love Mary Tyler Moore. I love George Siegel. I love Alan Alda. I love Lily Tomlin. Um, Patricia Arquette was my goddess back in the 90s. She had such a great run with like Ed Wood and oh, yeah. um, Stigmata. And oh, Goodbye Lover <laughs> is one. Do, do you remember Goodbye Lover? No. What is oh, that one? My- it was, uh, I worked at Blockbuster and it was a Blockbuster exclusive. Um, and it had Ellen DeGeneres and Don Johnson and, and, um, uh, 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 Patricia Arquette and, um, oh God, who was the other person? I, maybe that's it. Don Johnson, Ellen DeGeneres, Patricia Arquette. Yeah, that's it. And it's this, just this mystery film, like another. Dermot apparently. Yes, there it is. Yes. I knew there's somebody else in it. Really interesting Mary movie. And El- oh, yeah. Ellen DeGeneres is a comic genius in this movie. If you get the chance, watch it. You're going to appreciate it. And then, of course, Medium. I loved Patricia Arquette in Medium. So I had a huge run of just being in love with Patricia Arquette, and I still follow her on Twitter, and I think she's great. Um, So this movie speaks to me, and I'm ready to create it. All right. So quality of film, everybody. Quality of film. Christine, would you like to go first? (laughs) I can go first. Um, Quality of film, I'm going to put it at a 5.5. Oh, that's not bad. Oh, did you think it was good? Well, five's average. It wasn't, I don't think it's, like the quality of it, I don't know. It's the quality of the film. It was still competently yeah, Your rating made. system never made sense to me. So no, that's, we're that's terrible fine. at it. We <laughs> um, you could ask me tomorrow and it would be a nine. Well, <laughs> uh, what are we doing this out of again? Uh, I'm going to go 6.75. Okay. I, th- um, I think I'm it is go a, little... it's like average, like on the good end of average comedy for me. I'm going to go a little higher because I think it was influential for the time as far as sure. indie comedies go sure. and like a, an ensemble cast and moving all the pieces. So I'm going to say like um, eight. Okay. Solid eight. Sure. Uh, quality of life. <laughs> Christine. Three. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll go with seven. Because I like seeing mm. so many of these actors do things, so. Yeah, and I think this movie's just been so influential for me over the years that I'm going to probably stay at an eight for, for that fine. as well. All right. And I cool. recommend. All right, so now we're going to take a... very rarely are we this varied this in va- our feelings yeah. on something. That's very exciting yeah. to me. I agree. I know. It's, it, YouTube grading is always like, I'm going to rate it an 8.2. The other person's <laughs> like, yeah, 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 that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like, I have, like, I tag chatted my rating at Christina she's saying it to prove that we don't like say it after the other one says it like it really so often I think um like Christina and I not not always but like more often than not we're really in line with the movie especially after we talk it talk it out so much yeah you know like that's why this show works so well I know and then I think you and Christine I think are really in line usually yeah we are the only people who love invasion as much as we do (laughs) 
so true. <laughs> and yet we all hated open house, so who knows? Yeah. Exactly. And I do have to say, I think I say this every time I'm on your show, you say it's a scale of 1 to 10, but it's really a scale of 1 to 100. Because you're giving like 9.25. There's decimals involved. Like, <laughs> look, as somebody who struggled with math my whole life, and who now has a job where like dimensions are very important, so I use fractions all the time, like, I got really good with decimals. So fuck it, I'm going to incorporate that into the rest of my life. Thank you. <laughs> you, you decimal it up. I appreciate That's right. that. All right, let's take okay, a break. Okay, so now this is where you're this is where you're going to put Lily Tomlin okay, and David O. Russell. Okay, let's take a break. Anytime. Let's listen to um, David O. Russell and Lily Tomlin get into a really big fight and watch as Jason Schwartzman sits there really awkwardly, uh, and then we're going to talk about mother. Photos of yourself. See, it's harder. To, it's harder actually to pick it up from the damn desk. Okay. You were looking. You were planning. Right, take a beat and preset it. You can put the fucking thing down. You can put the folder down for a second to, well, to, to use both hands. Yeah. And take your legs off the I desk and a whole bunch of other stuff. We could buy some. <sighs> okay, for Christ's sake, let's just take it one fucking line at a time, instead of changing everything. As we, it's very difficult to even create what you're going to do when it's constant a barrage of change this, change this, do this, do this. No, wait, wait, do it a different way, do it a different way. Don't get me started. Okay, so I'm just saying, let's just, you know, it's impossible. One actor's doing one thing, another actor's doing another, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not, as, I'm not as brilliant as you. I can't uh, keep up with no, you. No, but we're being very efficient. We're being very efficient? Be patient with you. So you can Let's rehearse, You're please. being impatient. No, I said patient. Let's rehearse. I couldn't understand you. No, that's not the first time. Fuck you! I'm just trying to fucking help you. Do you understand me? No, Johnny, you're not. I'm being a fucking collaborator. I'm just trying to help you figure out the fucking picture. Hey, bitch, I'm not here to be fucking yelled at. I worked on this fucking thing for three fucking years not to have some fucking cunt yell at me in front of the fucking crew when I'm trying to fucking help you, bitch. Figure it out yourself. Well, I have to figure it out. Yeah, fuck yourself. Good. Why don't you fuck your whole movie? Why don't you fuck your whole movie? Because that's what you're doing. We better get some insurance against the director. You're a fucking grown-up. Act like a grown-up. You're not a baby. You're a fucking grown-up. I'm here to fucking help you. That's all I was doing was trying to help you figure out your picture. Don't have to yell. Don't have to yell. Don't have to yell. Don't have to yell. Don't have do I not fucking yell at you before right now? No. You said I never fucking yelled at you, fucking That same year, um, which is hard to believe because maybe it's just because it's a younger cast, Flirting with Disaster feels like a newer movie than yep. Mother, which feels pure 1989. But anyway, yeah. Albert I Brooks' Mother. I thought the exact same thing, though. Yeah. I'm glad it really like because you're watching it and you're looking at the styles that people are wearing and you're just thinking like, I, I never wore that. And I guess it's because we were not we were closer to the age of Ben Stiller than Albert Brooks, perhaps. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, it, it's also I mean, there's not really the closest we have is Rob Morrow, not to jump it too far into it. And even it's very 90s what he's wearing. But I, yes. it's also yuppie 90s. Yes. And I don't think any of us were yuppie 90s. We nope. didn't have the no. Yeah, we didn't have those giant suits. Nothing fit in the 90s. It was just awkward. It's a terrible time for all of us. Yeah, it's hard to relate to any of this. 
I know. And it, and it's one of those, like, now, like, the whole 90s are, the new 80s, 90s are coming back and stuff. And people keep talking about, like, how great these fashion trends were. And you're like, no, I was there. They weren't great. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was too tight or too loose. <laughs> Nothing fit. Yeah. Hair was very straightened. Um, remember, like, the, like, why necklaces were a big thing back then. Mm-hmm. Um, tiny little barrettes. Tiny barrettes. Uh, and, like, hair accessories in general. Yep. Let's we, put yeah. some glitter in our hair. a lot of shit in our hair, including glitter. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it was a rough time. Uh, yeah, so, Jason, tell us first why you picked Mother. Well, uh, as I said before, I was trying to find something that was thematically linked. And I remember I saw both of these movies in the theater that same year in 1996. And um, they were both movies about reconnecting with parents and like discovering who you are through your parents. Yep. And I wanted to reevaluate this because it's, it, I hadn't seen it since I saw it in the theater in 1996 when I was, I was 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Four, 44, I believe you said earlier. Yes, exactly. So- <laughs> So I had never seen this, but I, I remember it really well when it came out because I was, um, like most 14-year-olds at the time, I was really big into Siskel and Ebert. So I remember their um, their show where they reviewed it. And I believe, like, I think they both really loved it. And, like, when the Oscars came out, everybody was disappointed that Debbie Reynolds wasn't nominated. So, like, I And with Debbie Reynolds pass, um, passing last year, like, it, everybody kept talking about, like, oh, if you're looking for Debbie Reynolds movies, like, everybody should watch Mother. She's so good in that. Um, so I'd never I seen it. I think she did. She did get a Golden Globe. Golden for this Globe, though, but right? not an Oscar nomination. Yeah, I remember that there was a big push that year. And I mean, it in fairness, like, you know, my cats have Golden Globe nominations. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I've hosted the show, I'm yeah, pretty like, sure. Remember, the tourist got Golden Globe nominations. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, Christine, you had never seen it either, I'm guessing. I had never seen it also, okay. as well as. All right, so yeah. should we do our traditional let's hear Christine try to explain what the movie's about? I well, love this. I do too. I think I, I think I can explain this one. Okay, go okay. for it. So, Albert Brooks has a rough time with relationships. He's just finalized his second divorce, and he thinks, I think this has something to do with my relationship with my mother. The reason why I can't connect with women, the reason why I don't have a fulfilling relationship. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this experiment. I just did air quotes because that's what he says in the movie. <laughs> and I'm going to move back in with my now widowed mother. I'm going to go live in my boyhood room. And I'm going to try to explore why my relationships are like this. He is also a science fiction writer of varying success. We don't really get a sense of how successful he is because based on who you ask, he either is or isn't. Yeah. And, and then hilarity ensues. I will Doesn't say, know. this fucking movie was so good. Oh, wow. I, Jeez, know, some, I love when I'm so unsure about what Christine's really no. thinking. I know. <laughs> I loved this movie. Holy crap. I would have never watched it ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever, ever. And I cried during it. Oh, I had to, oh. like, put my head down a little. I was getting real emotional. It was really poignant and touching, but also super funny. And, like, I'm going way too far, but just give me one sec. So, Albert Brooks's character is a vegetarian. He's a writer, <laughs> and he's, like, really into organics. And I was like, I'm so, I'm so relating to 1996 oh. Albert Brooks. <laughs> if he Who just knew? had a gluten allergy, that would be oh. you. Wow. I mean, if it was me today, maybe he would. But I thought it was really interesting how like progressive 
this char- and like liberal this character was right, right. in 1996. Mm-hmm. It was just it was that is something that you would maybe see somebody do for laughs in a modern character. Yeah. So right. there's a lot of like vegetarian jokes in this. Like Debbie Reynolds doesn't. Well, I don't. I'll I didn't just know scrape the top I, off of the meatloaf. The top of the meatloaf. Or I didn't know if you could eat food that's been in the same cart as. as <laughs> yeah. I man, people think that and they ask those questions. So it was yeah. really all the vegetarian jokes were super funny. Um, man, this movie was good. Somebody else talk about it. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm so glad that you think that because I, I I remember really enjoying this movie, but I remembered so much of it wrong. I like I remembered it being a lot funnier, like oh, more overtly funny than it is. It's kind of, it's a quiet funny movie. Yes. It's not laugh out loud, loud oh, funny. Sure, yeah. Again, it's like yeah. it's a grown up movie. Yeah, a, a cleanup movie. A grown-up movie. A oh, grown-up movie. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, you also you can put it on while you're cleaning, like if you oh, do that sort yeah. of thing. Sure. But and I also remember Debbie Reynolds' character um, not being uh, like being more of a doting mom, you know, mm-hmm. and like not not. She immediately is put out by the fact that this is going on. Yeah, in the movie. she's and like, I wait, really? You're coming that. to live with me? I got this, like, fuck buddy that comes over once a month. Exactly. I have a life of my own. She yeah. doesn't overtly say it, but you can tell from yep. the very beginning. And I kind of forgot that. And I love that. Yeah. I love that this just isn't some doting mother who's, like, you know, not, doesn't have a character of her own. Like, she does. She has a yeah, she, she has, has her own life. character, but also her own life yep. and her own friends and things she wants to do. And her son just takes for granted that she has plenty, she can he can move back in whenever right, he wants right. and move her shit around yep. and take over her life. My yeah. mom doesn't need a life of her own. She loves me. This is all my mom cares about. Yeah. And and I think we've all been there too. Sure. We've all experienced that. My for this like I I did ultimately really like it. I was worried because it took me as much as I think like some of the stuff in the beginning is really funny. The scene where he comes home to an empty house and decides, like, fuck it, I'm going to move my couch. And he moves it. Yeah. And he sits there and realizes, no, I'm going to move it again. And then he moves it again. And then he ends up back in the place that he started at. Like, there's, like, beats. And I think, and Albert Brooks directed this, like, and I think he does have a really good understanding of what about this is funny. My mm-hmm. problem in the beginning was, oh, my God, he's an asshole. And the real scene that this cemented for me was when he goes on a date with, oh my god, 1996, Lisa Drew. And the scene is like, he's picking up this woman who's obviously much younger than him, much more attractive than him. He's taking her out to dinner, and it's this, like, such a mismatch of, like, you know, she is not book smart and doesn't read, and he is sitting there with this beautiful woman, and... She, you know, doesn't get his jokes and doesn't, like, understand references he's making. And I'm thinking, this movie thinks that I should find it funny that she's dumb. But what I find is that it's pathetic. I definitely didn't like that scene either. Yeah, because to me, I'm just thinking, no, it's pathetic that this is the woman he chooses to take out on a date. This is his problem, not her problem. It's not her problem that she doesn't know who wrote Moby Dick. It's his problem that he has chosen that the only women he can date are beautiful women who, you know, don't have the same interest as him. And, oh, my God, he's a shallow mm-hmm. prick. So I was really worried because well, I was like, this is not – I don't really need to see a movie about this dude discovering, like, oh, women can be more than this or something. But it it doesn't. And I think ultimately it's much more about him having all these other insecurities of, oh, why is he att- – he's attracted to women that – you know, don't um, don't respect him for whatever, for maybe because of these reasons and so on. 
I, I think we have to kind of put ourselves culturally into 1996 as well and think like people wanted to see Phoebe. And I think that they might have rewritten that character a little bit or like maybe it was studio interpretation. Yeah, because I mean, Brooks like her name saying, is like, in the opening credits and she's in there for one scene. Yeah. He's like, oh, give us Phoebe. We want to see right. Phoebe. So she had to play it a little dumber. I think that scene might have been written different with a different actress. Very um, possible. I think she might. Yeah, so I think it was like really a, a playing the dumb. But I, what I wanted out of that scene, and I agree with you that it didn't play very well. What I wanted was just like a, a disconnect. Like he can't connect with a woman who's like perfectly fine, but he just can't connect for some reason right. because of who he is and he expects different things and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but they, they instead they like made her a joke out of it. He made her mm-hmm. quote unquote dumbness the joke. Right. And I didn't care for that much. But what it I did felt, care for. It felt very judgmental. I didn't. Yeah. yeah. It didn't what I good. what I did care for was her roommate, um, who at first I thought was <laughs> Olivia from Buffy when I saw her from quickly when I looked up from my phone, and I was really excited. But then I realized that it was actually Vanessa L. Williams. I remember from when Melrose Vanessa Place. L. Williams was a thing and was constantly yeah. like, "Oh, Vanessa Williams, no, Vanessa, L. no, Williams. Vanessa L. Williams, yep. yes." But I was happy to see her. It brought back a lot of Melrose Place memories for me. Oh, I'm just looking. I like remember her being in everything and showing up and being like, "Oh, Vanessa Williams." No, not Vanessa Williams. She was apparently recently on Days of Our Lives. Oh, good for her. Yeah, right. Still, I bet she still looks amazing Probably. too. She just has that bone structure. Right, she was in Candyman. That was the big thing where I was always so confused. Oh, oh I was always yeah. like, "Yeah, Vanessa Williams is in Candyman." It's weird. I thought Vanessa Williams had blue eyes. Uh, sometimes the snow does come down in June. Yeah. yeah. Um. So going back to the vegetarian thing, too, I like also um, that it wasn't he wasn't trying to it wasn't a a statement that he was making or the movie was making by being a vegetarian. He just doesn't like meat. And I know a lot of vegetarians who are actually like that. They just like my friend Melissa. She just never enjoyed the taste of meat. And so there are a lot of different ways to be a vegetarian or reasons to. And I like this is one that you don't see very often. I just don't enjoy it. And it's not like if it was done today, again, in the wrong hands where it might have been like, you know, him lecturing people or if, you know. um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, Christine, you are not, but we all know maybe in our Mm -hmm. lives some vegans and vegetarians who feel it very important to tell you every time you eat meat why you're doing Mm -hmm. something wrong. Uh, And he doesn't do that. So I did appreciate that. Yeah. And the, I mean, the. I, the, there's a lot of like different strengths of this movie and I mean to me Debbie Reynolds is a treasure and my god she's so mm-hmm. good at this but it, it really is it's the scenes where they communicate and they don't communicate and it, it's you know it, it's not her, just her fault like it really is also him Exactly. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. And I, I think there's some really interesting cinematic things going on in this film as well. Like, it's a lot about communication, just not being able to communicate. And that's yeah. echoed through the picture phone or the camera phone. The picture phones. phone. It's a picture <laughs> yeah. phone. It's it was an supposed to be picture necessary. phone. So, like, they're having, they're always having trouble communicating on these camera phones. And she can never position herself correctly. And, like, the sound isn't great. It's, like, very staticky. It's not a very great phone because the sun gets them for free from the job. kids out there, if you're wondering what picture phone is, it's just FaceTime, but it doesn't move with you. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. Well, it kind of does, but only every five seconds. <laughs> like it's a camera. Yes. It's a camera there, but it's like going through the telephone line. So it's just a very still picture. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, it's not like FaceTime. Um, so there's that. But then there's also the scene when they go to the grocery store. And remember, the, the she's driving around and yes. she keeps missing the spot. Oh, I was in hysterics during that part. <laughs> It's funny to watch, but also, like, I interpreted that as it's very telling about their relationship, too, right? Like, they go round and round just having the same argument and the same yeah. things ever since childhood for their entire life. And there's never any resolution. And they just keep circling around this and they never know why and they yeah. can't resolve it. So I thought it was interesting, the somatic elements that, that he was putting, whether it was intended or not. I saw them and I picked I up that. on them. I, I, Albert Brooks is a pretty smart dude. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one question I wanted to ask, Christine, I, I now I've met both. Uh, I've met your parents. I've met your mom and dad, Emily, mm-hmm. and I met your mom, Christine. Do you have siblings, Christine? I don't. You're an only child, too, right? No, I have a sibling and I hate her. So, OK, gotcha. Yeah. So it so, might as well be. <laughs> so being an only child, I, I wanted to ask, do did you ever feel like your parents loved a sibling more than you? Is that a thing? It is a thing. Um, OK. If anything, I would think I think that it was me. <laughs> well, you are pretty lovable. That I mean, I, I've never met your sister, but I love you more than I love her. Yeah, I know me too. That I, we, neither my sister or I have a relationship with our father. So I think what, something that I did notice when we were children is that I had more in common with my mom, and she had more in common with my dad. So my mm. mom and I had like a more natural rapport and more yeah. natural like shared interests. Like, I, she would want to go do this thing, and I would want to go with her, and my sister would be more into doing this other thing. So I think I, I think that version of it is a little bit more relatable than, like, I just like this child more. Mm. Yeah. And I think what, you, what this movie does, well, yeah, like, I mean, sure. Um, never It never bothered me, because I always figured if I wasn't, like, I knew I was in, like, the top half. <laughs> Whether I was the favorite or not. <laughs> like, I knew I was in the upper tier. And depending on the day, I could be number one or I could be number two. Um, okay. I, I know for a fact, and this, like, I know is no question, I'm the favorite sibling. Like, of my three. Of, uh, I have three siblings, and, like, I won't pick who my favorite cool. is, but I know that all three of them, I know I'm their favorite. Um, oh, okay. But so, like, the different, like, so there's four kids in my family. We all, I we're all, I think close to both of her I mean in varying degrees and in very different ways like so I think all four of us have really different relationships with both of our parents and I didn't I if anything I notice it more now as an adult that Mm -hmm. and I think in part it's like thinking about mother I think a lot of it is because now my parents can kind of talk about us to the rest of us and not to say like you know my mother complains about my brother to me or something like that but but i mean yes brandon walks by yes she does well yeah Um, (laughs) but so like when you're a kid like your parents are never at least in my family again there were four of us so you had to be pretty like you couldn't rock the boat too much so you would my mother would never say well you know your brother does this wrong or your sister does this wrong now, as adults, when I have a phone conversation with my mom or my dad, and it's totally private and separate, completely separate by miles from my siblings, they might, um, 
they'll talk more. And I think more importantly, because my parents, especially my mom, was very much a like positive. Everything is positive. We don't, you know, trying to keep the negative out. And now, like, my mom can say, like, some, you know, this is tiring or like, um, like trying not to talk about my parents so much. But that I think with age and my parents both being like semi-retired and wanting to enjoy their lives now when their kids need stuff from them, they can say they could admit like this is hard. Like, we, you know, we've it, it's harder now to drop everything for your kids when you're mm. in your 60s and kind of don't shouldn't have to do that anymore. So mm, that reminded me a lot of mother, I think, because clearly you know debbie reynolds now has her own life and yes her relationship with rob morrow is he calls her every day and that's that's their relationship and i know like my one brother talks to my mom more than the rest of us but my sister sees my parents more than the rest of us like so i I and it's what's interesting is just that how the older you get in as much as when you put the four of us or six of us in a room we all in many ways deflect back to our like um past squabbling and like we all can become kids again when we're in that room but individually it's not so much loving one more or favoring one more i think it's just realizing how different a parent's relationship with one child can be to a different one yeah and how different relationship how different a parent's relationship can be from between different people like my my friend melissa who i brought up earlier like there was one time where she was saying uh she was in some financial bind you know in her 20s we're all fuck-ups and like we can't pay for our bills and uh she was really struggling to like pay something and i'm like could you ask your parents she's like oh i could never ask my parents for money Mm -hmm. and i was like oh god i could anytime like i was so spoiled being an only child if i ever needed anything my mother would like western union me money or you know like at christmas i just got everything i ever wanted um so it's so strange how relationships are completely different from parent to parent oh, yeah. and you just assume that they're kind of all universal but every parent is different i'm not i'm not like re- uh, saying anything that people don't know here but it's interesting to see that like whereas they're all different they're all very much the same too i connected to this movie so much a complete it was very different than the way i grew up that i saw so much of myself and my relationship with my mother in mm. this movie like, I remember the first time, so <laughs> my mother's passed away, so I can tell this story now with <laughs> impunity, but um, she, my mother was married to a man that she met when I was like, um, I guess 12, 11 or 12, and they were together for years and years, and they eventually got married when I was like 18 or 19, I think, and I was like, oh, I was, I remember being so happy, I was like, oh, you can finally have sex now, good for you guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so they were married for quite a while. And then there was a period where my, I used to talk to my mother every day on the phone. I was that kid too. Sure. We would talk every day to catch up. And uh, several times I would, you also wore very oversized shirts that you tucked into your khakis. Yeah, it was the nineties. Um, so she, um, she, there was a period where I started to call and she wasn't there. And like, it was so weird. And this was, and she wouldn't answer her cell phone sometimes. She even had a cell phone. And I, I was like, what the hell is going on? My mother lives for me. She wants to talk to me. Why isn't she answering? <laughs> I am the light of her life and center of the universe. <laughs> exactly. And then I found out that my mother had a boyfriend. My mother had taken a lover. And she was still married, mind you. But she had a, she had a lover on the side. And they were carrying on an affair. So and it cool. went on for several years until she died. And oddly, 
he was living with my, my mother and stepfather when my mother passed away. I'm not getting into all that because I still don't know and I'm still afraid somebody will tell me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, uh, it, it was a harsh realization to realize like, oh, wow, no, I'm not the center of my mom's world. She right. has a life and she's a real person. And she, like, sometimes I bet I annoy her when I call yeah. every day. Because, <laughs> well, like, I would get annoyed when my mom would call me sometimes. Like, I'd be sure. doing something. I'm like, ah, screw that. I don't want to talk to her right now. And yeah. I, then I had the realization, like, oh, shit, she probably does that to me sometimes. It's, it's like, <laughs> one of the best things for me about seeing my parents now, like, at this stage is that they seem to be, like, living for themselves now. Which, my, I mean, my parents were people that um, totally gave everything to their four kids. My, my dad worked and like opened his own business so that he can arrange his schedule in a way where he could still coach softball for us. And like my mom was that mom that if any of my friends needed a ride home, she would do it because, you know, she wanted to spend time, more time with me and and my friends and so on. And it, it was like just one of those, like, and I always like knew that and felt that. And I always knew like my parents gave so much to me and I could see, and I could compare it to friends I knew whose parents didn't come to their baseball games and, or just like clearly made their kid their kids were aware that they were not the priority in their life and or didn't have the resources to make yes, them a priority that, oh completely completely and yeah. now like at this age with my parents at that age it's really nice when like i see my parents and realize like oh yeah like you guys you know you can worry about you now and to an extent that's true it's not fully because i have siblings that live near them and you know they still, right. they still babysit and they still go and help things but so like when my parents see me we're like you know we live 60 miles away and we don't have kids so like rarely do i ever like need to ask my parents for help in a sense so when i see right. my parents it's just like oh hey let's go to lunch and they're and like there's this like like lightness about them because i realize like oh you're because you're finally just enjoying company and not having to work and take care of us yeah and you know it's it's so that i think very much like debbie reynolds in this movie is you know is at a point where you know she's she's she goes food shopping and she spends an hour food shopping talking to people because that's what she does and when albert books is kind of an asshole about it and saying like oh god we just talked to them we're talking to them again like yeah, this is what she does. This is her life. This is her refrigerator. That's her sherbet. That's how she eats it. <laughs> right. Like, you don't, <laughs> you don't come in here and just tell her she's doing things wrong. Like, yeah, you know, and granted, like, Do he you... does bring positiveness to it. Like, there's little things that, like, sure, like, she's able to kind of open up here and there. And But for the most part, I feel like this is a lesson for him more than her. She's not doing anything wrong. Yeah, well, and also, do you remember, I want to, I, I want to tell the first time I experienced it, then I want to open it up to both of you. Do you remember the first time you talked to your parent as a contemporary and you could feel the difference in the conversation? Like, I guess mine isn't so much a story, but I remember the conversation and it was really strange. We were just connecting on a, like we're both adults level and we're talking about adult stuff. And like, we're not a father. And I mean, we're not a mother and son right now. We're just contemporaries and we're sharing. And there was nothing spectacular or interesting about the conversation. It was just like, Wow, this is happening right now. Do you remember the moment? Oh God, I have I have two moments, and both are really embarrassing for my parents, but they don't listen. Um, okay. <laughs> so one, this isn't really embarrassing, but it's more just like weird and wacky when I describe it. 
with my dad, it definitely always came about like when I had a beer with my dad. My dad was a beer guy, like he still is a beer guy. And so like those moments of like him saying to me when I was still maybe even underage, like, but being home from summer and him being like, you want a beer? Like, yeah, okay. Um, But I think the first moment I can really think of that is it was the blackout of 2003. Oh, I remember it well. So I was home from college. It was the summertime. I was home alone with my parents, and there was a blackout. And so we were just hanging out because it was summertime. So my dad's like, hey, let's sit on the lawn. Let's have the dogs out here. Let's have a beer. And it was like, okay. And then my dad did, like, the most – not my dad, but the most dad-like thing that when you think of, like, oh, what a dad teaches you, or, like, something like a bonding moment with your dad. My dad said, like, okay, so I don't think anything's going to happen – but I feel like you should probably know how to use the gun. <laughs> oh, my. Oh my so I kind of knew that my dad had a gun. Um, yeah. But I didn't, like, know the details. And, like, sure enough, my dad's like, I'll be right back. He goes to the garage and he brings out the gun. And he's showing me how to load it. And I'm like, well, like no, the dog's right there. I'm going to end up shooting the dog. And it was really just a moment of him thinking, like, saying, like, look, you never know what's going to happen. This is a weird time. It's a blackout. Nobody knows what happened. You're an adult. Here's, here's what this thing is and what to do. And now, you're, now I'm going to put it away and you'll hopefully never have to look at it again. So that was that. And the other moment with my so, mother, I really should Wait, let me just say before you go on, I'm very anti-gun in general. I don't like guns. Sure. I don't appreciate guns. Fine, they have their place. Whatever. I'm just not a gun person. But if anybody in the entire world had to use a gun and I could pick anybody on this planet and I could rank them <laughs> first to dead last – you would be below that dead last person. <laughs> I, you're the one person I would leave off the list to trust with a yeah. gun. You hurt yourself on cottage cheese one no, time. I know. No, sour cream. Or in sour yeah. cream. Yeah. And you, your husband like puts padding around the corners of he your does. apartment because yes. you hurt yourself constantly. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I would never trust Stable Mabel with a gun. Nope. This is the worst idea I've ever nope. heard. Your dad obviously does not know you. He probably he had a few years He is not perceptive. Point, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think your dad knows you as a person. I don't think he <laughs> he realizes. I don't your think he's really your father. <laughs> yes. I think Alan Alda is actually your father. <laughs> Alan Alda is. So I just had to get that out. Yeah. So you yeah. can continue. Oh no! The other time with my mother involved um, getting drunk at Foxwood. So. And it goes into nice. a story that really is embarrassing for her, so I won't tell it. Um, but I'll tell you privately after. Oh, I want to hear this. <laughs> I will. It's, it's glorious. Christine, how Christine? about you? I sadly have – my mother has treated me as a contemporary for far too long. So oh. I, was, I was probably like 11, um, and I don't really remember. It's a real, it, real point of contention. <laughs> is that – did your parents get divorced around then? Yes, my parents and, got divorced. My mom had a penchant for giving me way too much information. Um, yeah. She told me my dad was cheating on her when I think I was eight. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't need any of that. <laughs> no wonder why I'm the way I am. Yeah. Like, I'm so neurotic. Um, so, but I think so, in yeah. fitting with mother, like, we all know, like, well, we're, we all are who we are because of our mothers and fathers. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So I think maybe that's why I'm a little bit more, like... You you mentioned like oh Albert Brooks is kind of a dick and like let her eat her <laughs> her sherbet with the the, the the frozen protective cover <laughs> protective, or whatever. protective protective ice. protective layer um, but I'm more like come on lady get your life together 
you know, I went through, I think that's another reason you and I connect so well, Christine, because I went through a very similar phase when my mother got divorced. I, there was a period where I felt like I was the parent. Like she was yeah. out a lot. She was drinking. She was in trouble at her job. You know, she wasn't going to work and she was calling out. And like I had to kind of step up and take care of things. And um, this was a very brief period of time. And that's just proving this is nothing against my mom. She was just a, a she was just a person. Sure. And she fucked up a little bit. That I fucked is- a- literally the thesis statement of this movie we're all just people and at some point you have to maybe maybe you do get along better with one of your kids over the other because we're all people and you have to start relating to everyone on that level at some point or else you'll have like for you'll just constantly be infantilizing someone or allowing yourself to be infantilized like his dumb brother in this movie right yeah yeah. Well, and I really want to talk about like the I don't know if it's a is it a twist can we or, or like the reveal in this movie because the entire point of the movie is he wants to like dig in and figure out did his mother affect his ability to have relationships with people or why does his mother treat him oh, the way that yeah, he yeah. does. And there's this turn. Well, there's a reveal. All, so people if you haven't seen Mother and like don't want because I mean it's it's not like obviously a plot heavy movie, but if you want to watch it fresh then yeah maybe pause now watch the movie four bucks on amazon and then come back and listen to the rest but i agree i think it is a big point that we should talk about Mm -hmm. and so there's also right uh, before this happens there's this weird turn in the movie the entire movie has been from albert albert brooks perspective and every every scene has had him in it. It's all about him relating to his mother and all these people. But then there's this turn where Debbie Reynolds goes on a date with this her her gentleman caller, mm-hmm. and it's her in the car with him. And I found it a little jarring. I was like, oh wait, is this her movie? Yeah, now? that's a good point. I did actually. I felt the same way. I was like, why is it suddenly from her perspective? Yeah, yeah. that it hadn't happened any other point in the movie at all. But then we get this like strange ten minute part where it's kind of her. And it just felt a little out of place. And I don't know what if Albert Brooks was trying to say something with that. Mm. Um, but I think it might just be a cinematic mistake that shouldn't have been in the movie. Sure. Um, I just feel more comfortable from one perspective. Or if you're going to have multiples, make a point of having multiple perspectives. Um, and this just didn't do anything. Well, I mean, I guess you do get scenes of the brother and his wife alone. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I had forgot about that. But he is such a tertiary character. Yeah, that, and you're right. Yeah. Like it's there's not a the rhythm is very much in Albert Brooks. So when it does change, the fact that it did jar you, you know, certainly speaks something to that. Yeah. So that happened. But then after this, Albert Brooks is left at home. He's in his old bedroom, which his mother didn't want him to go into, but he insisted and moved everything out of her sewing room, and he discovers these manuscripts and these composition notebooks that she had kept. And she has turns out his mother, Debbie Reynolds had been a writer or wanted to be a writer. And she wrote short stories and little novellas for years and years. But then when she had children, her husband who is now deceased encouraged her to put that to the side because she needed to focus on being a mom. And there, there lies the inherent resentment towards her children. And especially the son who is a writer and was able to live his dream which I thought was really interesting. I, d- I kind of forgot that part, and I didn't expect there to be an actual like breakthrough <laughs> in, right, the, right. in this psychological like, journey. Like a real reason of like, oh, hey, I do resent you. Yeah. Right, right. that and, sense of like, oh, no, it wasn't... Because for a lot of it, I, th- I kind of felt like, oh, like... Because Albert Brooks kind of... T- I just keep calling him Albert Brooks because I don't know what his character's name is. He's I Albert don't Brooks. Either. And he kind of keeps harping on like, Oh, you were so unsupportive of me. You don't like my books. You always criticize stuff. 
and as you watch it like yes she does but she does that kind of for every it kind of just seems like her way it seems like oh he's kind of over over emphasizing this if this is what he's taking and turning this into this neurosis thing but then and he exacerbates right. it too he yes. feeds on it yes when she starts he he bites back and then she bites and it's just a never going round and round right, right. in the circle Yay, again theme. but then yeah. when you get to that and you realize like oh geez if i was her i would totally have had that resentment mm-hmm. yeah and it, it, it does become that thing that like i mean i i don't have kids i'm not having kids I always wonder that with parents and kids, especially like when you have those parents who are artists and then they have children that follow in their footsteps, whether it's dancers or actors or writers. I mean, I'm a competitive person. Like I'm really competitive and it is my nature to always want to be better than somebody doing the same thing I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm imagining if I had a child and that child, you know, especially if that child then ended up doing the things that like I dreamed of doing as a kid, that's got to be amazing. And I'm sure like, yeah, it's this beautiful thing and you're supportive and oh my God, but man, that's also got to really hurt. And what would that thing be for you, Emily? That's a good question. Like, I mean, yeah. I, you know, cause I mean, there's things I like, you know, when I was a kid, Oh, I wanted to be a writer. I didn't know what that meant. Like, right. you know, like now it's like, Oh, what would my dream job today be? Would be like, to watch movies and write about them like to be a film yeah. critic is my dream job it's not right now that like oh i can't pursue that it's like no i'm not going to pursue it because it's not a realistic job right now and i'm perfectly satisfied with the career i have and all of that but like if you had a child who suddenly could do all those things that you um weren't like i i guess it especially for things like athletics maybe where it's like i wasn't good enough but now my child can be good enough yeah that's got to be great and also really fucking hard Mm -hmm. well if you've never dealt with it then it would be that's where the resentment would come from if you were like okay well you know my time passed or you know i don't have the same passion that i used to then it would be like i'm so fucking proud i produced this amazing person that's doing the thing but But in this case it's that she didn't have the chance to because of the time and because of her gender and all that and so, like, yeah, like, that, you have to harbor a lot of resentment at that point. Whether it, yeah. And it well, probably did manifest itself. Well, there's the, there's the part where there's the resentment about him doing what she kind of always wanted to do. But then there's the bigger part of it, which is just her having to kind of put her dreams on hold for her children. This is some, her husband encouraging her to be a mom. Yeah. Don't be a writer. You're a woman, and it's the 50s. You shouldn't be doing this. It reminds me of Bev on Roseanne, like classic Roseanne, the good Roseanne. Um, (laughs) That was always an underlying theme between, like, Bev and Jackie and Roseanne. They could never – they were always at each other's throats, and it was kind of finally revealed that (laughs) one of my – God, that show was so good sometimes. Jackie confronted Bev and – about the way she treated her growing up. And finally Bev admitted that she wasn't a good mom because she resented her kids because yeah. she had dreams and she had put it on hold. And then Jackie came to Roseanne and explained, she said, mom said she was a bad mother. And Roseanne <laughs> said, you mean like the way Shaft is a bad mother? <laughs> <laughs> it's one it, of my favorite jokes on that show. It takes me back to um, one of the movies that might be the, in like many ways when I think of, like, movies that have really affected me in life, um, this is a movie that Christine and I got to see together, and it was We Need to Talk About Kevin. Uh, oh, yes. I just thought of that movie. That's so funny. Because to me, that, that is a movie, and I think you can take different things from it. That is a movie about a woman who 
had who did not want to and not that she didn't want to have kids she did not want to have that child at that time right and she had that child and that child knew it and the movie at at first kind of suggests that it was just kind of this child was born knowing it but at certain points you start to realize like no like there were shades of of this resentment that this child picked up on and her Mm -hmm. negative energy in this child now being her life turns this child into a monster and like for me who's always kind of pretty much been like i don't i don't don't think i want kids i don't think i want kids like that movie just kind of cemented it in a way because it was like yeah and this is why because i know deep down that i don't and my biggest fear is having a child and and destroying that child with that or destroying myself by faking it and then realizing how miserable i am or um, that child being a psychopath. And well, that too. Oh, that. my God. Yeah. Uh, but even like, because I think for me, it would be the reverse where I wouldn't have it in me to to, <laughs> to do that. Like, and again, like coming from parents who put their kids first before anything, I wouldn't know how else to raise a child. And I don't ever want to raise a child like that because I, yeah. it's just, it's not how I wanted to live. Um and so I think this movie has like an in- and I I don't know I, I almost wish that that maybe went further because it, it's ultimately like feels like such a light short movie in many ways it's what like ninety well, it minutes has that, it that nineties like string like da 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 and the there's the Mrs. Henderson. Yeah, the opening. Mrs. Yeah, Robinson. Yeah, they, I did enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, I, mean, I think that this was um, the version. You know how Stephen King does that thing all the time where he'll, like, write a little short story. And then, like, years later, he'll be like, wait, I think I could make this better. I could plus this. And then yeah. he actually writes the real thing. I think that this is the precursor to Lady Bird. Uh, I think yeah. that's what this is the like minute version of it, and then they really dug in. They're like, "Wait, what are we trying let's to say focus with mother?" On the thing, yeah, 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 and let's actually it, like dig into it. We'll set it near the nineties, yep. <laughs> maybe a couple of years later, <laughs> um, but actually talk about resentment because I felt a, felt a lot of that from yeah. Aunt Jackie going back to Roseanne. Um, a lot of her, the way she treated Lady Bird was about resentment. Yes. You know, she's working double shifts and like this wasn't just struggling the life to put. She thought food. she was going to have at this moment, and yeah. she's taking it out on her child, whether she means to or not. And Lady Bird's on uh, poised for this new adventure. She doesn't know where she wants to go, and a lot of where she could go. And um, the, her mother is trying to stifle that. Like whether she knows she's uh, consciously knows she's doing yeah. it or not. I think that was a big part of the relationship. Very so much. I thought, yeah. Yeah, I saw a lot of shades of Lady Bird in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it comes back to that whole, like, at some point, Lady Bird became a person, and maybe Laurie Metcalf wasn't ready to let her be right. a person yet. I don't know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's really, and I, again, I think it's, it's such a funny movie. It is. Mother yeah. is, but, but it manages to be to be very poignant and i get what you guys are saying about how there's kind of like this revelation of like you didn't get to do this thing you loved and now you kind of resent me for it and then it was just like oh and we're done here right but but it kind of i kind of know it kind of worked like you would see you'd seen their relationship grow and that just seemed like the natural like end to that that discovery you know 
And I love that it was a big revelation for Albert Brooks, but the mother's like, okay, dear, if you got what you wanted, <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. if you think this is some big revelation, then go ahead and go with it. You know, like it's not, not something for her. Um, but I do like that she has a story arc at the end. She's writing again. Yeah. And yeah. maybe it. she couldn't actually accept it, but this was a revelation for her and she kind of changed. I, yeah. I think that's great. And you'll notice that she's writing on his computer. So yeah. I think he gave that to her. And it's a really so cute reveal, too, because you assume, because the way it does, it, it's showing you the screen. So you assume, like, oh, this is what he's writing about it, now, because he, he had writer's Very Doogie Hauser style. It, totally. And then instead, it's her right, typing. And it's like, yeah. oh, that was cute. Like, because I, I, like, I didn't realize it was her until the reveal. Yeah, Rather, that, that what, was Whatever good. that says about me being a savvy film watcher or not. But it was well, like, I, a really cute I think thing. you're not thinking like that, though. Right, You're right. not looking for a quote-unquote reveal you're not looking for a dipsy doodle you know you're just (laughs) you're like this it's this the whole movie's been so so much just at face value that why wouldn't it be him writing sure yeah and the the one part that i didn't like towards the end was him meeting the lady at the gas station Um, yeah I thought that was just a little too succinct. Like, oh, I've dealt with my mother, and now I can actually meet a woman and right. like relate I'm, to her. I'm and... only going to meet to a, meet a woman who respects me, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was just a little too tied up and a little too cutesy. I agree. Um, I agree. I, I do like that actress, though. She was on an episode of Designing Women. I looked her up because she looks really familiar, and she played this ball busting attorney on an episode of Designing Women. Um, and she's fantastic. It was a great episode where Julia's like running. Julia Sugarbaker is keeps running over this newsstand that is selling pornography <gasps> on her street. I do you know this. One? No, I got I gasped because I know what I know <laughs> this actress from. What? Seinfeld, the episode of Seinfeld, uh-uh, George, George uh-uh. is a marine a biologist. That, uh, no, oh, that's right. A movie that I defend, and I've gotten into intense arguments. I know I'm not alone. I believe Matthew House also likes this movie, Pinocchio's Revenge. Oh, right. I saw that on her yeah. IMDb. Yeah. I didn't know. Like, it, it's actually, um, so Pinocchio's Revenge, for those who don't know, um, you've seen the VHS cover, I'm sure. It, it, uh, it's Kevin Tenney who did um, Witchboard. And it's actually a really, like, what it is is Child's Play, or the original script of Child's Play was that, like, you didn't know if it was Chucky or the doll the whole time. And right. Pinocchio's Revenge is kind of like that, where it's like, okay, we're going to take that idea and run with it. Here's here's Pinocchio, and he's evil. We don't know, though, because we're, we're not going to really see him do anything. It's very good. People can argue yeah. with me all they want, but I really like <laughs> it. Yeah, well, you're the doll person. You yeah. would know. Yes, I have very high standards when it comes to killer doll movies. I'll just yeah. I'll defer to you. Yeah. Yes, as well. You uh, I have I have high standards for designing women episodes, and she was fantastic in this one. Well, that so. should be enough for everyone. Good casting. So, are we ready to grade? Or any <gasps> final thoughts? Um, I'm just looking at my notes now. See if I missed oh, anything. One thing that I thought was just an adorable character touch. I love when they say so much about a character just through like wardrobe design, and when they go to the zoo, and then when they come back, the mother has the t-shirt made, yeah. but she's just wearing the t-shirt over her blouse that's like buttoned up <laughs> yeah. all the way. It's it such a cute. mom thing to do. Yeah, so it was so cute. <laughs> I will say that I enjoyed the fact that her, the mother's writing seemed to be better than his writing. <laughs> At least when he sat down to try to like start writing again, he got like a paragraph in before she came in. When he sat down and was was reading her manuscripts, she was a much better writer. I I like that. I True. thought that I thought that was funny and cute. Um, the two IMDb bits that I found of interest on this one is that um, Debbie Reynolds was not the first choice for mother. 
Oh, yeah, I remember reading this. Yeah, the first choice who, like, Albert Brooks kind of wrote this for was Nancy Reagan. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, she, she didn't do it because, like, Ronald Reagan was really sick at that point. Um, it was also offered to Esther Williams and Doris Day. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I found interesting was um, we talked about that they use Mrs. Robinson but rewrite the lyrics in the opening theme song. The way they were able to get that song um, is that Albert Brooks is that like there's like a whole like basically there is a Carrie Fisher connection to all of this. I think he was married to her or no, dated no, no. Her. Paul Simon was married to Carrie Fisher. I think they were divorced oh. by this point, but they were still still very close. And so Carrie Fisher had a Paul Simon connection. Debbie Reynolds obviously was in this movie and that it was her like ex-son-in-law. And at one point, like 10 years earlier, Debbie Reynolds had apparently tried to set up Carrie Fisher and Albert Brooks because she thought they would be a good match. <coughs> oh, interesting. Isn't that cute? <laughs> oh, That's six degrees cute. of George Harrison. Yeah, interesting. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Well, um, I always like to try to, whenever I listen to your show, I, I if I know the movies well enough, I know that you have a cinematic link between the two films, but I always try to think of the littler, smaller links Ooh, between okay. the movies, and sometimes you point those out, and a couple of them jumped out to me, just very small things, but in both movies, a, a woman lights up a cigarette and takes one or two drags and then stuffs it out angrily. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore does that in the scene, and then Debbie Reynolds does it in, in Mother. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And um, both of them, of course, are just like traveling hundreds of miles to connect with family. I think mm-hmm. he said he traveled 400 miles. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big one. But also the Reagan connection. In, yes, in, uh, I thought the yeah. same thing. Because Nancy Reagan was supposed to play the mother. Yeah. I remember reading that on IMDb. And in um, Flirting with Disaster, she has that big framed picture of Reagan and in her house when he goes to see Celia Weston. If we want to make one more step to another movie that really has been an honorary movie covered in this episode, Lady Bird. There's that great moment in Lady Bird when she goes to um, her boyfriend's uh, grandmother's house for Thanksgiving. And there's a giant picture of Ronald Reagan. Oh, that's right. right. She's like, oh, is this a joke? And he's like, no, no, don't joke about that. Don't joke about that. Well, and also in Flirting with Disaster, the uh, acid tabs were little sheets of Ronald Reagan. (gasps) That was a nice bookend of the movie. One person actually has it. Which also was another one of those things that I appreciated watching and thought, like, David or Russell is clever. Yeah. 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 So those were the the, the links that I Mm -hmm. saw between the two films. Okay. Very good. All right. So we're good to rate. Who wants to go I first so. with quality of film? Christine, why don't you take it away? I'll go first. Um, 8.5. Oh, wow. Nice. Look at you going all the way up there. Um, I'm going to go with a <coughs> 7.5. I think it's it's better than average, and it does a lot of things right, but it some things it just kind of keeps it from like really, really getting up to 8 territory for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll land about a seven. I really like the movie, but like I said, I think that this was the first precursor of a story to be told, and I think Lady Bird did a lot better. Having seen Lady Bird recently, it's hard to not compare the two, as, yeah. as we've done for the last hour. So I think that it, it's a good, solid movie, and it's definitely worth watching, but it's not going to blow your mind. Maybe it did Christine's, actually. It blew my mind, actually. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I'd recommend it. I'd give it a seven, maybe 7.5, but I don't like to do decimals, so I'm going to stick it a seven. <laughs> Your loss. <laughs> All right, quality of life. Um, probably a nine. If I watched it again, it might end up higher. Wow. All 
All right. Yeah. I'm telling you, I was very affected by this movie. I love that. And I'm going to go higher for quality of life as well. I'd say about a nine as well, because it really made me evaluate some things about my familiar familial relationships and Mm. just about parenthood in general. And like, it really got me thinking. I think there was a lot in this movie. Maybe it wasn't actively on screen, but I, I sussed it out. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I enjoyed talking about it with you guys a lot. Well, and I think, um, and this is true of, I think, a lot of movies like this that are so focused on, like, sibling relationships or parental relationships where, yeah, you have your, your ultimate enjoyment or experience with the movie is going to, in many ways, hinge on what you're bringing and taking from it. And yeah. this is a movie about a guy trying to reconcile how his relationship with his mother has affected his life and his romantic life. And, you know, it it is weird if you watch this and don't think the same thing or, or, or have, you know, like take the time as you're watching it to to kind of think like, okay, well, how does that affect, is that true for me? How does this apply to me? Um, you know, for me, it's, you know, I definitely have that, this movie, I'm trying to think of good examples and I know there are, and I can't think of what they are of relationships where, um, uh, it's both parents kind of I wish I could think of a good like representation of this I didn't this movie didn't make me think so much about that just because again Mm -hmm. Albert Brooks to me was a distant character from I from I had a hard time identifying with him per se but what about parenthood do you do you relate to that movie there's a a lot of different things in parenthood that I relate to yeah Uh, again not being a parent but just kind of watching it as you know, kind of imagining all these scenarios and how that affects stuff. Um, but but I'm saying that, and, like, as we were talking about it, I said how much Mother did make me think of my parents now and, like, at their point in life. So, yeah, oh, but uh, I guess I'm supposed to get to... I'm going to say 7.75 for my quiet <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I, I was a big lead up. I couldn't wait. This is a tangent I, episode if there ever was one. I, you know, I will say another tangent before we leave. Like, it's so easy to do parental relationships and uh, in a movie and like get drama or emotion out of that. Yeah. Uh, remember the movie, the Tim Burton movie, Big Fish that yes. came out? I couldn't tell you a thing about that movie. Hold a gun to my head. I don't remember what it was about, but I do remember bawling like a baby in the theater. It got to me because it was a father-son relationship. I don't even know who was in it, but I remember it really (laughs) worked at the time. Um, so it's, it's, it's an easy way to get a, a, an emotional reaction, but I think if this one didn't go for the emotion too no, much, like, no. like, you know, wasn't a melodrama. It nope. was just a cute, just funny movie that you can get a lot out of. Um, if you, you know, if you enjoy it, if you take the time and give it a yeah. try. And this could have gone really sappy. It mm-hmm. would have been very easy for this movie to go down that route and have it be very heartwarming and all that. And no, like it's it's clever about itself which is can't you just picture albert brooks finding his dad's like baseball and picturing exactly. back to when they played exactly. at that point yeah, yeah no. that kind of bullshit we don't need <laughs> like that wasn't what this movie was about yeah yeah no i agree i mean me as like somebody who bonds like bonded with my dad a lot about baseball maybe maybe i still would have cried but i would have also felt manipulated so yeah so at this point, Emily, I want you to put in a great Debbie Reynolds song as the song in between this and the next segment. Oh, no, there isn't. No, the next segment. We don't have a next segment. Um, oh, OK. So then the out, the that means we're going to we're going to have Debbie Reynolds play us out. But we still have one more thing to do. 
Okay, good. <laughs> but don't forget, Debbie Reynolds is okay, playing this. Yeah, I'm writing a note to myself right now. Okay, hold on. Okay, um, I love giving you Are you, you going to leave this stuff in? <laughs> um, yes, because I'm Bridget only so good at editing. Direction. Okay. I, I would like. I would I like love to producing the show as I'm on the show. All right, um, now this is where you're going to put in. <laughs> yes. So, uh, and we're doing it very like um, what's what's the word? Not, like when they filmed Grease the Musical, and in between commercial breaks, they showed the actors like getting in costume and stuff. That's how we're doing it. So, oh, here, yeah. So I take you know sometimes if I if I think of stuff that I need to put in the show notes or that I need to remember for next time or when I'm editing, I write notes to myself. My notes for this week so far are. The Devil Wears Prada, Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. spoil, spoil, spoilered Logan at one hour in. So oh, I can sorry. put that in the show notes. <laughs> oh, no, just so I know that that's in there. Um, Debbie Reynolds' song and Lily Tomlin Cunt. Good. Oh, that should be yeah. a note everywhere. Well, yeah. Shouldn't it? Yeah. That's my other new band, Lily Tomlin Cunt. Yes. You guys got to come see That's going to be my box. other tramp stamp on the other side. To even <laughs> 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 other Baby batter, Lily Tomlin Cunt. <laughs> So, before we um, are sent off into the night by the delightful Debbie Reynolds, um, streaming recommendations? Does anybody have one? I have one. I have one. Okay. I think Jason should go first. Then Jason, okay. go first. I'm happy to. So, Emily, you remember when you came and visited me at Horror Hound recently in the I lovely do. city of Cincinnati? Yes. So, <laughs> that was my. A good <laughs> thank you. My my fr- my friends and your friends Alex and Craig came in. They live in Philadelphia now, Delightful and um, young men. they they were. We had such a good time, and I love those guys so much. We had a really good time hanging out together. And like, I missed you the last Aww. day of Horror Hound. We couldn't get up yeah. to get to the convention. You also time. missed out on Cracker Barrel, so I mean, it was it, double your loss. I know. It, it, I hated that I couldn't go, but I'll tell you a big reason that we couldn't go is because Alex and Craig introduced us to this show. And we stayed up watching it that Saturday night after we got back from the convention and hanging out at um, Alex and Tree's place. And I had didn't want to watch it for the longest time because just the look of it looked gross. And it reminded me of things that I didn't like from the 90s. Okay. Um, but Alex and Craig were like, no, you need to give it a chance. You're really going to like it. And I started watching and I fell in love with this series. It's a Netflix series called Big Mouth. Has anybody watched it? No. I watched a couple episodes. I so at first it, the animation that I saw it reminded me of like Rocco's Modern Life and like Ren and Stimpy and all that animation style that I didn't really like. I was a little too old at that time for those shows, and I just hate that gross kind of grimy animation style. And just the stills that I saw from the show that's what it reminded me of. But I so but I gave it a chance based on the recommendation, and I instantly fell in love. It's this show about all these kids in they're about 12, 13 years old and all of them going through puberty and starting to (laughs) experience, you know, like er, sexual urges and like um, hormones and like fighting with their parents and seeing their parents as real people. Again, that's a, that's a theme that comes up in this show. And it's, I think it's really well written and it's beautiful. And Maya Rudolph as the hormone monstrous is my favorite thing in the world. I I want to be here when I grow up. She's amazing. So if you haven't watched it yet or if you've been turned on, by, turned off by the animation style, really give it a chance. It's really smart. It's really funny. There's a my, – my only quibble with the show, and I don't even know why I'm putting this out, but I feel the need to. There is a gay kid in the school, and they do that thing where they remember the homo, but they forget the sexual, where all the other kids are experiencing, you know, like these urges and like mm. sexuality and wondering mm. how to relate yep. to somebody. The gay kid is only there to, like, give a quip every once in a while and be sassy. And, like, he never has any hormonal urges. Uh. That bothered me a little bit. 
However, the rest of it's so well written and really sweet and funny that I think you'll, you'll you can forgive it and enjoy it. Okay. Well, you have sold it. I've put it on my queue. Good. Yeah. Please do. Uh, Christine, do you have one or do you want me to go? I do have one. Okay. Um, I I have been watching a lot of Netflix television shows as well. If you haven't watched a series of unfortunate events yet, season two went up recently. You should just watch it and stop talking about it because you're not talking about it. But <laughs> I'm, talk- I'm more addressing my mother. She has said, oh, it's so cute. It looks so cute. And I said, shut up, just watch it. Anyways, that's really good. But the movie that I'm suggesting is um, actually a French zombie-ish movie mm. called Ravenous. Yeah, I've heard about this. Um, I, I liked it a lot, a lot. It was super, like, contemplative and, like, um, Zach pointed out that it was more like a Vietnam movie than a zombie movie. So, I don't know. I would like more people to watch it so somebody could talk to me about okay. it. Okay. I added and, that to my queue as well. So, that guy's French. That is not Jesse L. Martin in it, right? <laughs> Or not, not, no, not Jesse L. Martin. The guy from um, Cabin in the Woods. No, Cabin in the Woods. Uh, Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) Nope. Jesse Williams. Oh, Jesse Williams, I think. It's, yeah, the guy in Cabin in the Woods. It's not him, right? In Ravenous? He's not French, is he? I don't think so. Okay. Because I've passed by this on Netflix and I keep thinking like, ooh, Jesse Williams, I could watch that. But if it's not him, then I don't know. I'm Tell almost, me more. I'm going to say almost no. Um, I think the French name is like Les Effens. I can't speak French. Um, so that actually sounded like Jesse Williams in French. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody that I recognize in this movie. Um, but it's really good and it's, it's I don't know. Like I, I'm a little bit over zombie stuff as I think a lot of us might well, be. but when it's done uh, well. When it's done well, all I want is Train to Busan over and over and over. Yeah, oh, I still need to see here. that. I need to see it. It's just always what I want to watch. But this is good. It's not violent or fast. It's like slow and mm, cool. Okay. There's a pirate in it. Here's a question about Train to Busan, which I haven't watched yet because I know it's very long. And two questions. What's keeping you from watching it? In part. Now, but I've been told, I think you said it's kind of episodic where I can kind of watch it in chunks you could pause it yeah but i also know people that are like oh and i've cried so much i'm like can i watch this before i go to work or is my makeup gonna run everywhere i cried at it i think yeah i I mean our friend patrick you know the red menace patrick Mm -hmm. he described it as like the gun with the wind of zombie movies because he said he cried like four times and it is emotional that's just the thing is sometimes i don't really want that when i'm commuting like yeah, I get that. Yeah. But, like, the action kind of makes up for it. The, the action okay. is some of the best action I've seen in a, in a horror action movie in a while. You just, I, I think Jason's right. You just have to be deliberate about when you pause. Like, okay. you'll be, you might get emotional, but then it immediately goes into something else, and you're like, oh, okay, shit. This is, strap in. It's like an action movie again, so. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite horror movies. I'm not a big zombie movie fan. Eddie is. Um, so we watch a lot of them and uh, like, I'm kind of like you, Christine, I'm kind of out of it right now. Yeah. It just seems like it's oversaturated. Um, but I gave this one a try and I loved every second of it. Oh, so um, good. <laughs> the, it is funny though. The, the, um, uh, the, what do you call them? Subtitles on it because it's a, a Korean film. The subtitles on it, I think are sometimes a little off. It seems <laughs> like, like the characters are like, he's calling his company and he's like, did you sell that business? We need to make more business before next week. All right. <laughs> Have the business report to me. Um, by, by as now. a woman who works in business, that's how I talk business. Business. <laughs> that's true. Business, business. 
that you just walk around saying business same all the business. time. Yeah. Obviously. So, but the points, but there's not, a, I was a little worried because it is subtitled, but there's so much action in it that you don't need, you don't have to read a lot. Cause like, <laughs> you know, I'm easily distracted when I'm watching a, a movie yes. by my phone or whatever, but yes. this one, there's great action scenes in it. So okay. highly recommend. I will get to it. <laughs> I like that. That wasn't actually any of our recommends, but right. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm talking about it. Okay. Um, I'm just going to add mine. It is not on Netflix. It's on Amazon. And, um, uh, Christine is my favorite person in the world for bringing it up because now Whoa, I've seen what? Summer of Fear and now <laughs> I can finally live my life the way God intended. Um, Wait, Jason, I missed it. What is it called? Summer of Fear. I don't know this movie. Linda Blair. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Uh, is it is a teenager or like 20-something? I don't really know and neither does the movie. Um, it is 1978 and she lives on a farm with her parents and her brother and her aunt and uncle die in a car accident, so her cousin comes to live with them. And her cousin promptly steals her boyfriend and puts spells on her and gives her eczema uh, and kills her horse and makes her hair get bigger and bigger. I mean, that's not what, the, what she does, but clearly some crazy witch magic is happening. And Fran Drescher is her best friend. Yep. And oh my Jason, God. this movie is amazing. You will love it. I, I am so happy right like, now. I'm looking this up. It looks amazing. There's like, and it's directed by Wes Craven. Um, Linda Blair like makes her own dress for the town dance, and it's just the cutest, weirdest thing. And then that night she can't go, and then bitchy cousin steals her boyfriend, which disappoints her brother, aka her cousin, because he was trying to mack on her all night. Which the movie never makes a weird thing, which is odd. Um, you have to watch this. It's so it's 70s, but it feels 80s, and it's glorious and linda blair's hair is a character in itself and oh it's diabolical i am looking at pictures right now oh yes you need to get on it there's an actor named jeff mccracken (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm gonna watch the hell out of this oh yes directed by wes craven yes where's the streaming and where can i watch it right amazon prime right now absolutely i'm on it okay um christine did you have anything you know you want to cover next time or shall we wait I don't. We can. We can. We can discuss later. All right. We will resume, and we will announce, of course, whatever we're going to end up covering on Facebook. So please come join us there and join in on the chat and tell us what you, how much you hated the open house or whatever else you want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. We talked about a lot. You have a lot of fodder. Plenty of we stuff do. to discuss. Plenty of stuff. Plenty of stuff. Uh, you want to talk about how much you hate Bruce Willis? We can talk about how much you hate Bruce Willis. Yeah, but it all comes back to Ladybird. No matter what oh, we talk time. about, it comes every back time. to Ladybird. So, Jason, if people want to stalk you, having listened to your delightful voice for two hours, uh, where can they do that? Yeah, I want more Twitter followers. I don't really do anything else online. I've given up on Instagram, given up on Snapchat. All I can do is Twitter. Um, so follow me on Twitter at Fozzie Bear. That's F-O-Z-Z-I-E-B-A-R-E. Yeah, I want more followers. And, and tell me how amazing I am. And you deserve them. Yeah, thank you. I think so, too. I deserve yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christine, you have anything exciting to tell the folks at home about? Nope. I think I'm going to go make a grilled cheese. Ooh, yeah, you are. That's a giant block of cheese in your freezer. make grilled cheese for dinner. Oh, you have a, fine. You have yes, a I keep my cheese frozen. Cheese? Mm-hmm. And I cut I cut a slice off with a an electric knife. <laughs> I forgot about Good. that. Good. You took a lot from this movie. I like it's it. This so was disturbing. great. Do you want to change your quality of life? I think this should go up to yeah, a 10. Right? This, this is how you, this is how you live now. Uh, Sherbert, which again, we didn't talk about, but um, I say it with two R's as a normal human as being do does. Um, that's non-dairy, right? You can eat that, Christine, or no? 
I don't know. Oh. No, maybe. I mean, I can't imagine there's anything like natural or living in it, so it's probably pretty vegan. They just what make you... they make ice cream with alternative milk, so you can get a coconut milk ice cream that tastes just like ice cream. Wait, there are two R's in sherbet, right? No, there's it's not. Shebet. No, there's it's, one R. It, it's sherbet. Is it sherbet? Sherbet. <laughs> It is oh my god, please, whoever, the next person who listens to this podcast that has a child, please name it Sherbet. <laughs> <laughs> For us, please. It can be a middle name, that's fine too. Um, no, there is. it is spelled Sherbet. And sherbet. on Jeopardy a yep. few months ago, when uh, famed champion Austin Rogers answered a question with Sherbert, Alex ruled him incorrect, and then somebody else buzzed in and said what is sherbet and alex said correct and and austin rogers the champion said i'm from new york that's how we say it and it's true and i was shocked and i looked at my husband from kentucky i'm like how do you say it he's like sherbet i'm like what the, f- what the fuck are you what? go make me you just cheese after we how long have we been talking three and a half hours Something. you finally blow my mind i know <laughs> well done yeah. she waited till the end you know i tried to go out with a bang what can i say well done. Hey, and I'll go, I'll leave you with something too. Um, we're recording this on the 14th of April. Tomorrow, the 15th of April is the day the Titanic sank. So let's observe in a proper way, everybody. Well, uh, it, okay. Isn't it just the turned. Actually, you're wrong. It just turned. We were the recording 14th. on Friday. The I'm, 13th. I'm in a different time zone. Yeah. It, it has just time turned into April 14th. Um, yes. So now, like, and, yeah, I suppose you were right, but I guess. I don't know. I, the, I have a problem jumping a day ahead when we haven't even gotten to the How's day the future, guys? Yeah, no, it's midnight there, too. Time time zones don't exist. You're It's midnight where you are. You should be in bed, Christine. I do call the Eastern Eastern Standard Time the real time zone. Thank so you. I still, I know what's up, but I have to I was really here. nervous moving from New York to Ohio because I was like, oh, crap, it's a different time zone, and I'm going to have to be late all the time, and it's going <laughs> to suck. Luckily, it's still in the Eastern time zone. I was yeah. wrong about that. So this is as far uh, west as I could possibly go. Reasonable. I could never do a different time zone again. That's just stupid. Get all the way to the west coast. No, thank you. People are watching Drag Race at 6 o'clock. I don't know what's going on. Drag queens do not look good at 6 o'clock, okay? (laughs) Come on. That's the one takeaway from this show, everybody. Remember that. (laughs) Okay, the other one, just because we're still talking and now I'm angry about something, so I'm going to talk to you guys about it. Um, Uh So it's over now. Like, technically, as Jason said, it's April 14th, which meant that today was Friday the 13th. Okay, there are no fucking Friday the 13th movies on any channel that I am flipping around through. That's bullshit. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, I thought that, that was yeah. a whole thing. Yeah, I thought it was like a legal requirement on that day whenever it falls on a Friday. Twitter's been blowing up about it, uh, yeah. about Friday the 13th today, but I can't this believe is, they're not shown. This is why cable TV is dying, cable networks. How can yeah. you, why, what's the point of having you here right now? I remember I uh, one week I marathoned all the Friday the 13th, in a, like every single one I could do. And then after that, I watched Piranha 3D. And then there was one moment that Sunday where I was thinking, like, wow, I've seen, like, 500 people murdered this week. Well, I was going to go the other <laughs> route and see, like, my God, you've seen 500 sets of boobs in all that time. <laughs> That's true. That would be 1,000 boobs. Yeah. Well, actually, 999 because that one woman. Right, yeah. Nancy Reagan yeah, was in one of the movies. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Take it away, Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, on that note, come to Facebook, come to Twitter, and of course always come to debbie reynolds good night (laughs) yeah night night. when skies are gray and you say you are
Why can't I give some to you? When skies are gray and you say you are blue, I'll send the sun smiling through. I want to be happy, but I won't be happy till I make you happy too. Till you're happy too. 